Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 232! My name is NVZ, and um, I I have streamed to some people before Bally in the past, maybe like 200 back in the Pokemon days, you know, that was a good amount. Would you um, say that was your Pokemon peak? Yeah, maybe 250, 300, oh, actually during the charity events, maybe like four, 500, so that was quite a lot. Um, uh, I just streamed to 8,500 people this yeah. week, so that was, uh, so that was a, a nice little fun thing to do, um, and uh, yeah, we can, we can get into that, but uh, I don't know, how would you feel about streaming to that many people, Bally? I, I would, you know my streaming technique, I, uh-huh. I, I, I play some games then uh-huh. i chat a bit then i play some game and then the two will never overlap yes like, it's impossible for the two to overlap it's uh, really funny because like when we have done recording video stuff in the past of like what was it like um the game on wii u uh affordable space adventures right yes like and yeah. just bally's very focused on the task and his brain just like his all energy goes to like playing the game and then like nothing coming from his mouth and i'm like uh, it's it's just very interesting because it's one of those skills right it's, it's actually a thing that people are like oh you could you know people just play video games on the internet it's so easy but um it's actually quite hard to do to play yeah. games and talk at the it's, same time so it uh, definitely is one of those things that looks easy but is very much not and it's, uh-huh. it's for me i think the struggle is that it's not distinctly different parts of the brain. There is overlap, and that it's not like playing. Po- it's not like listening to podcasts and playing a driving game. It's not. No, it's not that distinction. There's overlap, which makes my brain personally just like shut down. And, uh-huh. and I know your your way of getting over that bump when you were earlier on in your streaming days was your brain would basically just waffle random crap. Oh yeah, and yeah. but but that was like your brain. I feel like that's the first step, though, is being uh-huh. able to waffle random crap, and then you can gradually, over time, become more articulate with that crap yeah. and get better. Yeah. And I'm not even at the waffle crap stage, so yeah. you know, <laughs> the waffle like, it's, crap it's stage. A long road. Well, yeah, I mean, you haven't had much chance to do it. To be fair, you no, know? no. Um, yeah, you're not a, a streamer or a YouTube person, really. You just so, throw um, me in there, and yeah, I will just be silent, playing uh-huh. affordable space adventures, trying to work out. Yeah, or like when we're streaming Apex Legends, I'm like trying to ask you questions, oh, and you're just like, you just don't, you can't hear me, basically, because you're just so focused that's the sort of game where even if i was playing by myself i wouldn't be listening to a podcast because i'm trying to focus so much on yeah like, exactly what's going yeah. on and where but yeah for yeah. sure um but uh but yeah i uh i streamed on steam because uh, it was steam next fest and we have two games coming out soon which um is the entropy center in the case of the golden idol and uh they're coming up uh you know in october and november which is very soon but we had to do some uh, promotion stuff on there which meant live streaming and so i was live streaming on the front page of steam for uh for the entropy center in particular and uh that was fun because yeah you could see the viewers climbing and eventually got to like eight eight and a half thousand people uh and did, uh, did anyone come in and say hey it's that pokemon guy no i wish they did you oh. know that did that did happen i don't think i told the story on, on the show yet i told you but like someone came up to me uh you know when i was on a lunch break at work and went out to get some food and was like <laughs> hey are you that that pokemon that nvz guy i was like what the fuck is going this has never happened to me during my entire pokemon career and somewhere in london this guy came up to me and said hi and i was like what this is bizarre uh so that is the only and maybe uh, uh maybe bizarre. will only be the other time uh, yeah. that happens but, i guess you know. the um the hardcore pokemon community circa 2012 yes. maybe doesn't overlap with the checking steam front page every day yeah 2022 community well perhaps. i don't know you'd be surprised like i have a lot of um steam friends on my steam list who are 
uh, people from that era, right? People okay. who, who would have yeah. watched me. Um, and I still consistently see a lot of those people on Steam, like, buying games. And, like, it's my friends list recommends, like, oh, this this person. There'll be many of them listening to this show right now. Probably not. I would I would doubt that. But still, uh, it's, it's very interesting. There is probably a little bit of a crossover there that you wouldn't expect. But, um, but yeah. Um, I also just want to shout out that The Case of the Golden Idol got reviewed in Edge magazine, uh, and I bought a physical magazine for the first time in, what, like 10 years? Yeah, I wondered if you'd bought the actual physical magazine. Yeah, yes, nice. yeah, I went to the shops and bought it specifically so that I could have it as part of history. Um, and uh, yeah, Edge magazine no, officially uh, recognized Case of the Golden Idol as a better game than Splatoon 3. Splatoon 3 got a 7, <laughs> Case of the Golden Idol got an 8. It's officially better than Splatoon 3, so um, you heard it here first. Uh, anyway, it's, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. And Edge edge are incredibly harsh critics like they are probably like an eight from edge is basically a nine or ten from any other regular outlet so um so yeah i i take that with uh very very high compliments and i'm um, very very happy with how that's going so uh yeah i'm sure i'll be um plugging and promoting that shit uh in the next episode as well because we're getting closer so the release dates and launches for those two games um so yes of course take my opinion with a grain of salt because i'm 100 percent biased because uh you know <laughs> i'm involved in, in trying to sell these games to people so uh yeah but anyway it's very exciting stuff um valley cool. how, how are you doing how's things going uh, i heard your, your little lad got a bit of uh, an illness oh valley junior got a bit of a cold and you know it's kind of like the first half of the night he's fine but then come 3 4 a.m He's like just getting the getting the phlegm out of his lungs a bit. Um, yeah, we've been. He's been to the doctor. It's just a cold, no infections or anything. Um, and last night was a lot better than the night before. That's and, good. And um, full credit to Caroline for getting up with him um, mm-hmm. because I was working on Friday. So well done, Tara. For nice. Very good. Very good. He got through co- got through COVID, but now the cold is uh, striking. Yeah, up. he had COVID, and yeah. his symptoms were just like. It's a pretty, his only symptom was like a productive cough with COVID, whereas me and Caroline were like fever, high temperature, no energy, all these things. Um, and yeah, he just had like a, a mild cough and then he just gets a random cold and it hits him harder than COVID. So yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking, I think COVID doesn't affect um, the under ones quite as harshly mm-hmm. as as adults. Uh, yeah. Generally. It seems like but, it. Seems like it. Yeah um cool that's good to hear at least uh and uh yeah we'll uh we'll get into some of the stuff we're going to be talking about on today's show bali do you want to let the fine folks at home know what we're chatting about today for the first segment we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing the second segment we've got your emails and the third segment one a little we want to chat about that mario trailer because sure that yeah. was interesting um, <laughs> and we've also got a, an email someone sent in about the mario trailer yeah. that we can cover as well yeah for sure um so we'll get to the fever dream soon enough but bali let's start grounded with some video games uh you have uh, you finally finished a game you've been chipping yeah. away at for a long time now I've been working on it for months uh, yes. and that game is dead cells yeah uh, so i've been continuing my list of supposedly good games that mbz has played that i haven't played suppose i like how it now comes with like the uh, caveat <laughs> of in quotation marks supposedly good games okay. well, already this year what have i played so that includes dead cells to the moon yeah. hyperlight drifter yes, i feel like yeah. that's another couple this year that aren't springing to mind yeah um, you know the list definitely gets shorter and shorter yeah, as you kind of fill these, it in I, th- I should say these games i think are all in our top 50 games of all time list um, oh okay and cool. i haven't played them which is another it's, so it's going to be very very valuable for when we next cover our top 50 sure games give you some ammunition you more know. of us have played both which is always good for the show but mm-hmm. um 
I really enjoyed my time with this game overall. I should say I've only beaten the main final boss like once. I've not yeah. done any like extra stuff. It's, Did I, you I, get I'm... all the abilities as you went through? Because oh, that was, it was interesting that I somehow when i got back to dead cells i beat it on my third try after the patch and stuff like that and then after that i actually kept playing because i wanted to go and get the abilities that you you get throughout the game so like the wall run and jump and stuff like that and the the electricity one that zaps you to different places did you go after those did you find those along your way i got the electricity zap i got the climb up the 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 the, the vine Um, yes i never got the the um wall jump oh really at all yeah um and there was another couple i got but yeah yeah i I definitely missed a a few um and but i'm okay with that like i think i I will say i think the the middle of the game maybe was a little bit sluggish um i think sometimes the progression can feel a little um not pointless but I don't know. It does. It doesn't. You, always... you feel like you can just die extremely quickly from things that almost feel out of your control in Dead Cells. You know, like there there are moments where like things will just kind of like converge on you to a point, and you're like, "Well, I'm fucked here, and I can't really do much about it." You know. And yeah. I think a lot of my most successful runs were the ones where I was extreme. I was doing a bally strategy where I was just slow and turtle, and like just very carefully placing down <laughs> my traps and looking around every corner. It's a good strategy for Dead Cells. I think some of the boss, if you only do that, the bosses can maybe find you out a bit and you've got to be ready for them but um that is a good strategy generally i I think that some runs um you can really just focus on like right this run i just want to get cells and like you will go to the place that is maybe harder but will gift you more cells and Mm. then it doesn't feel like the correlation between gaining cells and meaningful progress happens that quickly like i think i spent 15 16 hours with the game total and from maybe at least 10 to 12 hours in the middle, I felt like my progression was incredibly slow. And I think that's partly because the shop, as it were, were, where you're giving your sales to is really, really big. And like, I I found I was putting a lot more money into the health upgrades and the like bank upgrades so that you get more money next time you restart a run. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I was barely buying any weapons until like the very end interesting um, and yeah. uh, and maybe that was a the wrong strategy i should have gone for more weapons yeah but... I, I would have kind of like i think what i ended up doing was kind of switching it up because a lot of the weapons are a lot cheaper right the, those health upgrades eventually get to like 300 400 cells and that's like multiple multiple runs in order to get one thing up on that versus like okay you have a blueprint for you know this weird sword that's 60 cells right which you can feasibly do in one go if you're kind of efficient about it um, yeah so and the blueprint just means it will appear in like shops and at the start randomly like so the the blueprint means that you're then able to invest cells to unlock it and then once you've unlocked it then it it can appear then you invest the cells yeah and also once you've invested the cells on that exact run it will also actually drop the item if you did want to pick it up there yes it does which is quite nice um and on my successful run i actually did that with this magic bow i ended up beating the game with um that basically it shot five homing arrows, and okay. then the more arrows that went into the same enemy, the more damage those arrows would do. So I was oh. like, "This is like a, a boss taking down weapon, basically." Yeah, that's really um, cool. Which is very cool, and I yeah, I maybe wish I would have gone a bit more for those weapons earlier on. And might have, I think it took me thirty three runs to beat the game. I could mm-hmm. have probably done it a little quicker than that had I kind of gone for some more interesting weapons faster. I don't know. Um, 
I also found that, yes, you can do runs that just go after sales. I never really did that. And I constantly, I like explored a little bit. But the second I reached an area where I got my ass handed to me and I knew that there was another area that was as far along I would that was easier I'd always like side with the easier one so I'd end up eventually I like found my preferred route and then I just kind of stuck to it and mm. then maybe I, my personal preference would have just been a game where like there's just one area that it's obviously um what, what's the computer generate what's the word I'm uh, yeah it's like random procedural random generation yeah. levels yeah um and like I don't need I didn't feel the need for all the crazy maze like ways that the different worlds connected i would have just been happy just going right this is my level to that level to that level uh, that's the challenge i enjoyed yeah. the most and i and guess I that doesn't really make it a roguelike then does it you know like that's the the thing is is the game is built in that way so that you can repeatedly go through it and have a different experience every time which i think is what a lot of people yeah but like hades does the same worlds world on world it doesn't doesn't make a big yeah so, so there's two different approaches right like dead cells takes the more kind of actual procedural approach um it it still does have its its um kind of like custom made stuff right you'll notice that certain like sections certain rooms and things will be similar to ones that you've seen before because they are kind of copy and pasting those whereas the general broad structure of where things are is kind of diverted versus hades where there are set numbers there are set rooms the rooms themselves are designed but it's just the order of those rooms that changes so it's like a slight deviation slight difference in the way that it approaches procedural generation uh, and i guess you just prefer yeah. the. i mean i way prefer like the hades mold I, I just i don't i don't care for like switching between worlds so frequently as it did and like i said once i found my main route that i thought was kind of like the path of least resistance i, mm-hmm. I wanted to stick to that because I, I thought i'd get to the end the most easily essentially sure yeah um and yeah, I thought the skill ceiling generally felt by the end like a lot lower than I thought it was going to be for just uh, to do like the main game. I'm not talking about like post game stuff and stuff, which I'm sure. Gets... Yeah, yeah. Boss cells one is just like uh, fucked up, basically. Yeah. It's, it's extremely hard. Yeah. But I found like I never got into shields. I was very into my bow and arrow, obviously. Interesting. Um, yeah, and then, I never really used bow and arrow that much. On so. my eventual successful run, um, rather than balancing out my ability so i'd I'd always worry that my health was going to be too low so i'd try and invest between red green and purple abilities a bit more evenly and then on my successful one i was like screw this i'm just going red for everything Mm -hmm. and then i'll make all my weapons red and even when you do that your health is ends up being a lot higher than you realize because you end up picking up power-ups that will force you to invest in purple or green yep so you'll still get that balance so i ended up going in with like 14 red and then five or six green and purple and my health ended up being i think seven eight thousand which was still easily high enough to to beat the final boss and the final time i beat the final boss like i really had just overpowered myself and it was very easy i I think Um, that makes sense though like if you had been distributing evenly the whole time i totally get why you were having such a hard time because it is a game where you should be min maxing that stuff right like yeah i don't think the game conveys that to you it's just the process of working out and stuff yeah kind of i guess so um 
yeah and and it's it is one of those things like if you do have only one color for your weapons then you will almost naturally just gravitate towards that um but i think because you are particularly turtly you like lots of health you probably were just like well i need to evenly distribute this so that i get lots of health right yeah so i was thinking right i can go for bow and arrows that are powerful i can go for traps and then i can try and invest in my health the most and just kind uh-huh. of survive bosses yeah um and i think this game definitely rewards uh getting in there with a lot of rewards glass cannons a lot more than i'd say a game like hades does Um, and that's that's totally fine and i think it it works well for what this game's going for and yeah i thought this game was great were there any other like kind of weapons that you tried out that you liked or didn't like because for me i generally liked a lot of the weapons i came across and i think the nice thing about dead cells is most weapons are viable and most of them are fun to use and so i i switched around quite a lot and didn't i didn't really have one archetype that i lent into there were certain ones that i like like i like quick fast weapons so like the swords that are nimble and, and quick and stuff like that yeah um, there were some heavy hitting melee weapons that i very much didn't like and i yeah because i felt so exposed did you get the enemies. giant scythe at all like the one that's two-handed that you basically can only have that and nothing else like you can't have a second weapon it's just oh, really the two-handed. i didn't yeah. get that i don't think that's one that they added an update i think it may have been part of a paid dlc because i did buy the first dlc okay. for dead cells um that's yeah. a, oh did you really yeah i did yeah, yeah yeah so as soon as i think it came out like a couple of months after i had started or maybe it was like after the game of the year uh, show where i talked about it because i played it like i finished it the a couple of years after it came out um they put out a dlc and i just bought it because i'm like yeah i just love this game so much because you can like as one thing that's i think a bit crap to be honest is that you can like get to work so in the like in between worlds you can go up and down lifts that will take you to like what you think is the next world and then you Mm -hmm. try and go through the door and it's like oh this is actually for dlc only oh really yeah and it's like wow that's kind of shitty to just dangle the character yeah i I would have thought they would have made it so that those just didn't appear in that case you know yeah no they appear and then they say you can't access them wow all right well i'll pick the main game door i guess um and then you keep going um but yeah i i I thought this game was great i think it, it, it if you're just playing for that main game win i think like i said the the middle is a little bit sluggish like 15 to 16 hours is maybe a little on the long side for me personally but maybe i just need to get better at the game to be honest um yeah and, and i think your your approach to like roguelikes is generally beat it once and then just move on with your life um whereas i think these games are generally designed for people who want to play them again and again and again because that's the, the way the games are designed right like they're built to be replayed and played and on harder things and more weapon variety and trying out different builds and all that sort of stuff um, but i still feel like i had my fill of trying out different weapons different builds, yeah, trying sure. this trying that and and i think i think this game does a good job of appealing to the different groups in that way yeah, same definitely. way hades does like i, I yeah, think it sure. does well in appealing to different groups and i like this game a lot i do think hades is a hell of a lot better i agree and it's yeah, not fair I... to just constantly compare games to other games sure. that are similar but um it was very cool i'm glad i played it and this is this one's near nearer the higher end of the um supposedly good games that mbz has played that i haven't played so yeah honestly bali i don't i don't remember where anything is on our list so i can't remember i think dead cells is maybe like just inside or just outside top 20 but i could be yeah. wrong 
but yeah i think also when we talked about it for that show it was quite soon after i had fallen back in love with it so you know there's there's a lot of like recency bias in that sense. are you a little less hot on it now than you used to be yeah because i mean i've gone back to it a few times since and i, I do pick it up now and again and maybe it's because i'm playing on the harder difficulty now but it's just like it fucking kicks my ass and i'm just like oh right. man I, I do really enjoy it but it's 2018 right yeah, 2018. I didn't get back into it, and I think until the start of 2020, um, that's when I really kind of dug dug deep. I don't know what stuff. it is about it, but it does. There's something about it that feels like a game that came from 2018. I don't know. I don't know how. Okay. I don't know whether that's in the feel or the look or a bit of both. But there's. I don't know. It doesn't feel like a game that would come out in 2022 in the same way. Yeah, that's fair. But um, yeah, it's good. It's great. Dead Cells is great. I recommend people check it out. It's an awesome game. Um, Cool. Uh, we Bally played another game together. We did a co-op game uh, for a first time in a long time. I think. I think probably. I don't know it takes two was maybe the last There's one. Just not enough good co-op games out there. Yeah, uh, not enough with online. Not enough with crossplay as well. Um, and um, this is Escape Academy. So this game is actually not on Switch. The whole time we were playing it, we thought it was on Switch, but it's not. Um, and I think it probably should come to Switch at some point because it feels like it could run quite easily. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was maybe plans for it to be there. They've gone for an art style that you think they would have picked just for the explicit reason of getting it to run on. Switch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we um, we played crossplay. I was on PC. You're on Xbox, and it worked pretty seamlessly. I would say there were some issues with connections here and there, but like otherwise, it was it was pretty easy to to play. And this is basically a an escape um, escape room style game. Uh, you know, like yeah. in in real life, you have these escape rooms that people go to, and they're like you get locked in a room with a bunch of people, and you have to figure your way out by solving puzzles and riddles and stuff like that. And um, and this is basically that turned into a game where you attend this academy, and this academy is all about like becoming an expert puzzle solver basically um and you know there's story elements there's stuff like that generally i kind of just buttoned through it and didn't read a lot of it um i think it was just kind of <laughs> the superfluous st- the story is uh, very strange and weird. yeah yeah it's, yeah it's interesting but um but the main core of it is that you have like 10 11 kind of like scenarios where you have to kind of uh solve puzzles and figure a out good number i think like I, I would have been if there was more i would have been a bit like oh here we go but i never got to that point of oh here we go another puzzle let's get yeah. to the end of the game it always felt quite we, we would do like two or three puzzles per play session and it yes. felt very fresh and new every time yeah exactly um so yeah the, the setup is that you're at this academy and you're kind of going through these different challenge rooms and um and they all have like these kind of different ways of solving these puzzles but there's a lot of kind of crossover between how things work right so you might have you know one area where there's a bunch of padlocks and they're all like locked behind either numbers or like letters or something along those lines and there's i think there's a good variety of those it tends to lean on that Mm. stuff quite a lot of like almost um kind of like trying to transliterate or like to take letters and like transfer them to some some other language or trying to figure out a pattern that you see on a wall or something there's a lot of stuff like basically decoding i would say decoding is like a a good part of this game where you'll just come across different scenarios like for example there is um there's a a garden area where there are these bunches of statues and they the statues all have like different slight variations to them in terms of what the face looks like and there's a big door in the center and you can go to that 
that door and you can change what the face looks like and so the idea is that you have to look at all these statues and from a previous thing you have like a different clue that tells you what are the statues you need to be looking at and then you look at those individual statues and take like oh the eyebrows from this one look like this so we need to do that on the door and the uh, the eyeballs are, are pointed in this direction so we need to move them that way and the moustache is this way and so it's like kind of collating different information from different sources to come together and figure out puzzles and i have to say it's a really satisfying experience mm-hmm. um especially because like some some of the puzzles like i would be quicker on the gun with and be able to figure out and you'd be able to be like oh i see yeah it was interesting because um, our brains do work slightly differently and you're yes. definitely better at the more literary like word puzzles yes um maybe barring the word puzzle at the end which we both yeah, uh-huh. just gone <laughs> anyway, oh, fucked up real bad yeah generally you were better at the wordy stuff and i was maybe a little better at like not necessarily pattern recognition but trying yeah. to identify all oh, right this 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 is something... what it's asking us to do almost like there were certain ones where we'd get to and i'd be like i don't know what the hell and you're like oh i think i recognize that what the, what we're asked to do here. it's like often like a visual recognition of something that links yeah. to it. like this thing but this grid was a map and i'm like this is definitely going to be a map and you're yeah. like okay and then yeah. like 15 minutes later it was a map yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and stuff like um... that and i think the game mixes up types of puzzles really well it never feels monotonous and oh here we go again with this type of puzzle like the it's pretty fresh all the way through Mm -hmm. even if there are are common things you're doing between puzzles yeah you're always going to be like finding a lock with a bunch of numbers on it and that's cool but the way that you get to the solution is always different right it's never going to be the exact same thing but um but yeah they do they do like a lot of decoding stuff and i i like that stuff a lot like i found i find it satisfying to have those those puzzles that kind of like get your brain to think but in a way that never felt frustrating to me in a way that always felt like doable and manageable and that you would get the satisfaction of like oh you know you get that little kind of thing it's you know like when you solve a puzzle in zelda or something you get that little like oh that was clever kind of moment right and it it constantly almost like dopamine hits those like little moments until you get to the end and you're like oh it all kind of comes together and you kind of figure out the final it's got its own zelda chime as well this game that yes. goes off every time you even solve a mini puzzle it's just that little that little dopamine hit it's just like, bang, yeah it. totally uh i was gonna say that i i really like that this game has the features for you to communicate really really well yeah. so what you can do is you can bring up a screen that almost split screens the game so you can see what your partner is doing at any given time and you can just flick between that whenever you want you can also bring up any kind of um clue that you've gathered so you can pick up stuff like maps or like pieces of paper that will have information on it you can then like attach that to your main screen so you can like tab it on your screen so you can be walking around while still having the information up and there were multiple situations where you would be at one space and i would be another space and we would both have to do things but that we were like further apart from each other but i would be like okay i'm gonna bring up the map on my screen you you go to the pin code and you start typing in i'll tell you what to type in and i can see in real time you doing it as you do it as i kind of like tell you how to do it so it it has really accommodated for this as a co-op experience and we were talking about it as like how would we feel about this if we were to play it single player and i think it would just be worse on every level um you know part of this game's charm and part of the charm of 
escape rooms i think is that collaborative experience of like being able to bounce ideas off of each other in order to come to solutions and when you're on your own i think there's a tendency to get stuck in a rut right to to think there is going to be this one way to do something and then you just kind of can't think outside of your own box and by having that collaborative um ability it lets you kind of break free of those those kind of chains which is super nice and and yeah the way that the game is built really feels like it is it's kind of pointing you to play at co-op so i would i would definitely recommend playing this co-op and i think that it's a better experience doing it that way if you if you do want to play a single player i think it's totally fine and probably an okay experience but it feels like the game was built in order to handle co-op and there's just a joy of like us sitting down and actually talking through how we want to solve something as well there's like a, a real joy in that and well, both of us will be trying to work it out in slightly different ways and then mm-hmm. we'll both have elements that are correct and elements that are wrong and it's us about like matching up the bits of our brains that are actually getting the right thing and trying to put it together and then and then force it in the level like, i think just that process was incredibly satisfying yeah yeah it's it's a really uh well-made thing and i think it's it does feel like hand designed in a way that i don't know like I haven't done an escape room before, but I I have heard like people who have who've gone through them and they f- sometimes feel like they're designed in a way for you to not solve them in the sense that they might want you to come back again and try another time. Um, you know, whereas this one feels like it very much wants you to solve it and it right. even goes so far as to let you have kind of extensions you know that there is definitely a satisfaction of finishing it under the time limit so every every stage has a time limit also has like a difficulty rating and there were i would say only like maybe three times or four times that we had to use the extended timer um and it always felt good when you didn't have to use it right when you were able to i think we only even used the hint system about a similar number of times as well yeah yeah exactly and the hint system is pretty good i think i think we there's the final final challenge is pretty damn hard and uh-huh, it's asking yeah. a lot of you within the time limit and it's asking a lot of very different types of puzzles and often them overlapping in unusual ways which i think we found challenging but mm-hmm. I, I i i look back and think of like the bomb one where i think that was us at like our absolute peak yes level of yeah. cooperation and we did it first time i think it was like a 25 minute one as well yeah. and it was a re- that those puzzles were also a really good example where there was one that was wordy there was one that was more based on like pattern recognition though mm-hmm. it, it it bounced between our types of fortes very very seamlessly and it yes. just kind of worked very well yeah there was me just like in a tent translating russian yeah while you were so like good. like going around looking at a map and like it was it yeah. felt like yeah we were at our peak condition there like yeah doing that yeah stuff. and that's that was might be like the eighth puzzle in the game or something we yeah. we'd done in the game so we were like really conditioned you're right like ready to go yeah totally um so yeah i think this game is really really fantastic and um i think that they are actually going to be adding some more like scenarios to it It feels like a game where you can do that right i mean it's, mm. it's based around escape this rooms the, the game pass model isn't it like they, yeah. they get you hooked on the game and then yes. they charge you for the dlc <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and it, it seems like it's been successful and you know i would definitely be happy to jump in and play some more of this stuff i'd be up for the dlc yeah def- yeah 100 percent. um i think the last thing i want to say is like how smartly they kind of um section off these levels right because you could Mm. get into a scenario where it gets overwhelming and you you go in there and you're like there's a hundred things to do and i don't know even where to start and certainly that felt the case sometimes where you'd go into a level and you're like 
I think the, the hardest part is like where do you start like what is the thing that you need to do first in order to kind of like start the chain reaction that will then lead yeah. you down the garden path right yeah but the smart thing the game does is in a lot of levels it will kind of section you off into a smaller area and you can't get through like a locked door or like right. a passageway until you have solved the current situation of what you need to do so it basically almost it, it has the level of complexity and it has the layers but it almost like peels them out like an onion so that you don't have to feel overwhelmed when you first jump in and you can like solve that first part and you're like okay now this door opened we can start doing this other part of it um there's also cool. so we mentioned that you can pick up items there's some levels where they require you to use the item twice which i think is very yes. good because you would assume that oh this item is one and done let's move on to the next item and it's not that simple it's not just mm-hmm. a process of elimination yeah exactly uh, there are ways and which you were using the same item in different ways multiple times through the level which i think keeps you on your toes it's like a really good good use yeah definitely um and yeah some very very fun scenarios and they definitely shake things up enough i never felt bored or like like we were doing the same yeah. thing twice that was um, the one so yeah the bomb diffuser was great there's like one where you're supporting one of the teachers who's on a on a submarine and you're communicating with them remotely yeah they're on like an actual mission like a spy mission basically yeah, yeah. Very, that was very cool that was very challenging so that's the first time in the game we were both like damn this game is hard yeah uh, there's one later on this like squid game which was a little less good i think and then yeah, yeah there's I, I like I think, the one with the rising water. There's one early on where you're kind of like, good. you know, the water level is rising and you you see the physical time limit happening as you are kind of going through it alongside like the yeah. timer. Um, and yeah, you're kind of just like climbing up the structure as you slowly unlock your way up. Um, the the kitchen one where you're like sussing different poisons and yes. things. That was very cool. Um, yeah. Just a real good variety of things you wouldn't expect and just constantly giving you nice surprises and yeah mm-hmm. it, this again i think i feel like this game isn't talked about enough partly just because it's mainly a co-op game and these yeah. games never get talked about enough but they they've this is a very very well made game that is incredibly yeah. fun to play uh to play a co-op yeah i really really liked it uh, and i think it's um it's it's a great shout to hopefully come to switch um because you know uh the thing with it already being built for crossplay means that you can then play it with people on other platforms as well and you know mm. that's that's a really i good also think thing. it was just the right level of difficulty for our brains like, yeah i think yeah totally I think <laughs> you're a bit better generally at puzzle games than me but i'm okay and uh-huh. i think overall this was like if you've never played a puzzle game and go into this, I think it maybe probably would be a bit more challenging. But I a think little bit. But I think you can get through it. You know? Yeah, we've like, both played our fair share, and I think this game is in line with those mainly. Like it's 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 good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you are like an escape room aficionado, I know uh, Jess over at Giant Bomb uh, did a quick look for this, and she, she used was to work in an escape room. She, she? Yeah, she worked in an escape room, and so she was like, "Yeah, it's okay, but it's like super easy." So, like, if you're that person, <laughs> then you know you probably won't get much out of it because you you already kind of know the types of puzzles that, that they yeah. use in escape rooms and stuff we, like we, that. So. We we neither of us have ever done a real escape room. I no, we should do that at some point in we time. We should. That I would, would be good. To. Yeah, gamification of the real real world <laughs> yeah yeah i guess so um so yeah uh, escape academy check it out uh hopefully it does come to switch at some point soon uh bali uh i uh, i got yes. a switch pro uh it came out early uh it's pretty cool uh no i uh your uncle at nintendo managed to get you one yeah he did yeah you know i sent you a video of wind waker running on it at like 60 oh, fps wow. you know uh, it's pretty cool uh so i got a steam deck a steam deck came with the post uh which um you know i've been waiting for my play date for what like a year and a half and i ordered the steam deck's the one without the crank 
Yeah, uh, that's the one. Yeah, it's yeah, the one. It's yeah. the big one. It's the non-yellow one. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, you know, a couple of pieces of hardware that I've been waiting on here, and um, Steam Deck I ordered only like a month and a half ago, and I was like, yeah, I'll probably have to get this in like next year, early sometime, whatever. And it's come and, before the play date, and it came before the play date, and also Valve have now announced that you can just order a Steam Deck now, and you don't have to wait yeah. anymore. They'll just send it. So um, hey, they're on top of things, which is very cool. Um, anyway, it came. My first thought: it's fucking huge. Holy I shit! Gonna say, could you? get any more opposite between the play date and the steam deck yeah like both no. in terms of concept size uh-huh. style yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> exactly uh, i do need to i will need to do a uh a picture and picture or like a side-by-side comparison when they come in uh or when my play date comes in which i think i just got an email that mine shipped so that's fun oh um, really so yeah check your emails Val. you might get okay. one soon um but uh but yeah i uh i've been playing the steam deck a lot and i kind of want to talk about it in the context of switch and like what is it like compared to the switch how does it feel because one of the things i did notice is after playing the steam deck for a while i pick up the switch i'm like man the switch is light and small and like agile and like it feels very very easy for me to hold for long periods of time you know like when i'm playing steam deck in bed it's often like propped up against my legs because it's so heavy that like holding it for long periods of time is actually kind of uncomfortable if i'm honest um whereas the switch i'm like oh man i could just fucking float with this thing right it's just like light as a feather uh compared to what the steam deck is doing um and uh, and i think that's really interesting because it, it does feel you know i was worried that maybe the steam deck would be like oh well this just overtakes the switch in every way and like certainly from a power perspective and from like a visual perspective of course it's leaps and bounds above it you know i'm playing ai the sequel to ai the somnium files the nirvana initiative um which i picked up uh, when it was on sale on steam and uh i obviously started playing that on my pc but then because of steam cloud saves with the steam deck i basically installed it on there and i could just pick up exactly where i was uh, on my steam deck and that game is also on switch and that game on switch you know runs at a low resolution uh frame rate is only 30 like it, it it has some hitching and stuff like that like it's it's a it's a decent port but it's not like amazing and on steam deck it's just like well this is flawless this is just like pure 60 beautiful looks amazing runs so well and then you can bring up the menu of like how much hours do i have left and from like full charge it can do like four and a half hours on that game and i'm like well this battery is also better than the switch at the current moment in time as well and the battery can also be changed you can i could if i wanted like drop the frame rate down to 30 and you know have it last even longer for like six hours or whatever so there's a level of customization there but also like a fidelity that is obviously you know outdoing the switch but uh, you know if i'm gonna take something in a bag on a journey like a steam deck is it's just so large you know like it's it's so unwieldy in that way and i think it is a really cool thing as a handheld but it's just far less portable i would say uh, than what the switch offers which is um you know it, it basically it just gives you that option right of like do you want something that is going to be you know more of a portable option more accessible more easy to use or do you want something that's just you know it's a bit better but um but it's just a bit different in terms of its approach. So, yeah, uh, I, I've been doing a lot of stuff with it, right? I've been diving into putting emulation on there. I've got, um, you know, GameCube games and GBA games and, you know, PS2 games and all that sort of stuff, just like trying to figure out this system. And I have to say that this really is a tinkerer's system at the moment. I would not recommend it to anyone who. Who, who plays console games basically i wouldn't recommend it to people who don't understand pcs and the way they work and the ways that you have to like move system files around and 
there's a lot of troubleshooting, right? There's a lot of like, okay, well, in order to get AI the Somnium files to work in the way that I want it to, I have to go into the control system and turn off touchscreen so that mm. I don't accidentally like go back to the menu when I lightly brush the touchscreen, right? So I turn off the touchscreen, but this introduces a problem. The problem being that when you launch the game, it comes up with a with a menu that you usually see on your PC in a window that's the video options menu. So the video options menu comes up first, and that is only accessible through the touchscreen. So what have I done? I've created two pro- controller profiles so that when I boot up the game, I have one controller profile that has a touchscreen turned on and then i can just switch over to the other controller profile that has the touchscreen turned off so that i can easily switch you know when i boot up the game um into those different modes it's that type of like really minutiae type shit that i love because i love like getting deep into these systems and like getting things to work there's almost there's almost a fucked up thing with people like this who go in to buy these systems and they almost spend more time setting them up and tinkering with them than they do actually playing the games and i don't want to fall into that category because i do like with my ambit like so far you've spent more time tinkering than that's, games, that is so. certainly true but that will always happen when you first get one of Fair these enough. systems yeah but but for me yeah i i generally with the ambit you know i do play a lot of games on it and i know a lot of people who get those types of systems yeah. set them up and never actually play games on them right say you just wanted to use it to play your steam library and none yes. of this other fancy whiz bang stuff yeah. um would that have been a lot more easy or is there still like quite kind a lot of, of hurdles to jump it can be so there's so basically the way the steam deck is built is built on linux right linux is like the the third platform let's say for pcs right you've got mac and you've you've got mac os and you've got um windows right those are the two yeah. most dominant like pc kind of os's linux is open source right so anyone can like tinker with it and like it is it doesn't hold your hand at all like you you have to just like look up guides and like it's much more like pro i don't really know a lot about linux if i'm honest but like the problem is is that a lot of these games on steam are built for windows so the steam deck has a it has a thing called proton proton is basically a layer which translates windows stuff into linux stuff so that's basically how it gets a lot of steam games to run is it's basically doing it's using this this program proton to do a translation thing where it basically allows you to run windows made games on on this linux based system and there are when you go through the steam library there'll be a lot of games with a green tick mark and those green tick marks are games that like they run they're verified they run great on steam deck you can just press the play button and they'll run and you won't have to worry about it there are other ones where it's like you can but there are certain things that might not work um and there are other ones which are just like this is untested we don't know no one's done the work on it no one's verified it we have no idea and the community is great with this stuff because there's a there's a whole website called proton db where you can go onto that website and type in any game on steam and it will give you a rating of like is this silver is this gold is this platinum like how well does this work and there'll be a bunch of comments down below that say okay you can get trails of um you know trails in the sky to run but you need to use this version of proton to get it to run you need to you know go into the settings and move this ini file to this place like there will be people who've done the work there to figure it out but again you know if you want to play a particular game and it doesn't work out the box you're going to have to do a bit of tinkering to get it to work right so if you really just want to go there and not do anything you're going to be limited to like a smaller selection of games like only the ones that steam have verified themselves and uh, have the tick box um and you know even in those cases you might come across weird stuff right i think the nice thing about the switch and consoles is you never have to worry about any of that stuff you just press the button and it goes and you're not there's no menus there's no nothing it will just do it for you right so for example you know on switch when you go back to the home menu the game almost goes into a suspend state and then you just like are on the menu and you know you can sleep it and whatever and it's fine on steam deck when you go back to the home menu 
the game is still running so like i go back to the home menu and the music from the game is still playing in the background i'm like well this isn't the experience that i was expecting <laughs> you know like it it almost has those rough around the edges things that come from a device that is built for you to customize your own liking i feel like there's probably a way for me to get it so that it does suspend the game fully but i just haven't figured it out yet maybe or maybe someone will and someone will tell me but like that is kind of the joy of it is just kind of kind of wandering in the dark and poking at things and see what works right like i had a fantastic time getting god of war um, from ps2 god of war and god of war 2 got them on there and i was like all right i need these in widescreen okay figured out how to get them in widescreen go into the specific emulator that does widescreen go into emulation settings set it all up great perfect okay now i need to do save states how do i do save states okay well save states are bound to specific keys on the keyboard so let's go up and look up that basically building your game yes <laughs> kind of yeah up. so i'm i'm looking up okay let's go to uh, pcsx2 uh, what are the, the traditional key bindings for save stating on pcsx2 okay so you have to hold shift and press f1 to save hold shift press f3 to load so i go into the control binding menu and you can bind traditional keyboard keys to buttons on the steam deck so i go and i'm like okay r4 and r5 i'm gonna bind to shift and uh, l4 and l5 i'm gonna bind to f1 and f3 and then what i can do is i can go back into the game after binding those controls and then hold down those buttons and it will save state and save load just by clicking the back buttons on the steam deck and then i'm like okay perfect it's set up and now i can play god of war have i played god of war no not yet but i will okay <laughs> it will happen but like that that's the kind of joy in the process for me is just making sure this all is like nice and works and i showed you the interface for emulation station which is like this kind of front end that you use to access emulated games and it's just like really pretty right like it has the box art it has like little videos that play it has this kind of like on the front end of it it shows you different artwork from different games so like there's a big wario for the gba one there's like a dark kind of samus fan art that's in the the gamecube one like it's just very pretty you know and that's kind of that's almost part of the experience is like making a pretty nice looking uh you know menu screen uh from all the stuff that you do and this extends even to like non-steam games so i was trying to get crosscode to work and i own crosscode because it was part of one of the bundles one of the itch.io bundles from you know they've done one for the um uh, uh the black lives matter stuff in in 2020 but then also there was the ukraine bundle so i've got like hundreds of games on itch.io that i can just use and so i i downloaded that from itch uh, but you can also you can turn the steam deck from regular mode into desktop mode so you switch to desktop mode and it basically just looks like a pc um, it looks like just a regular interface and you can attach a mouse and keyboard to it and go around and and use that and that's actually the best way to navigate the desktop mode because it is a little bit finicky using the touch you, you have like these light touch pads on the steam deck that you can use but um but using that to navigate around i was able to download cross code add it as a steam game and then go and find the artwork so i went to steam.db and they have different artwork that you can then attach so that then when you launch into the game on the front end of the steam os then it actually looks like it's part of your library but there were a lot of issues and there still are like i can't really get across code to work properly because when i do boot it up um i get to a section where i have to use the dual analog stick and for some reason the controller binding the dual analog stick just doesn't work properly it just like i'm like trying to spin it around and it doesn't like work in the way that it should do so there's still like troubleshooting that i have to do with that and you know if you're playing on another console like switch you just buy the game and it just works right and that's not yeah. the case here and but it's also because you know i've not bought cross code on steam i have 
have got it through another uh, PC storefront, have downloaded it and tried to like attach it to Steam in this like back end way, um, and it doesn't quite work. But there are like official solutions for certain games. So like um, games that I got for free on the Epic Store or games that I have on GOG. Uh, there's a, a launcher called the Heroic Launcher where you download that and you can just access all of your games from those libraries uh, directly through Steam. So you can do that. You can launch this Heroic Launcher. And I downloaded a Plague Tale Innocence, which I was playing because, you know, the, the second game's coming out. Would you say that's the game you've played the most of so far? or No, I would say I've probably... I've probably played the most of Going Under, which is a roguelike um, that I had had on Steam for a while that I wanted to check out, which is really cool. And also AI and the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, basically. Um, it's, I, I think it's just called AI. Yeah, it's, it's AI the Somnium Files, Nirvana. It's a long fucking name. Anyway, um, yeah, those are the ones I probably played the most time into so far. But Plague Tale is the one that I want to focus on. Um, right. You know, once I'm, once I'm You've done. You've not got tinkering. Game Pass going yet. No, Game Pass is a harder, much more difficult thing to do because it's so ingrained rained into windows that there's no real solution the only solution is using the cloud-based stuff which i did do a bit of streaming so if you if you have steam open on your pc it will recognize games that you have installed on your pc so i booted up final fantasy 14 and streamed it from my pc to my steam deck so that's definitely a possibility so that that's something you can do um but uh when it comes to actual game pass stuff you have to do it via the cloud stuff which i don't have ultimate so i actually don't have access to the cloud stuff which is a little bit uh frustrating so so i can't do anything with that at the moment i'm sure someone will figure out how to do it eventually because you know all the stuff online all the youtube tutorials it's super easy i I say super easy for someone like me who understands some of this stuff it is super easy to set up um you know and i think that it's only going to get easier as time goes on as people have like ways to do these things and bring things up but like you know my biggest wow moment was was playing a plague tale innocence and being like jesus fucking christ this is like a triple a looking game that is running at 60 fps on this handheld screen like beautiful gorgeous also the speakers on the steam deck are fucking incredible holy shit they sound so good and they can get extremely loud as well like they're already like i have it at maybe a quarter or a third volume and it's already like a really good like sound um so it gets extremely loud and also like very high quality from a sound standpoint um but yeah there's there's been a lot of like fun tinkering going on and you know playing older games i've i've got chibi robo so my gamecube collection right now i've got chibi robo uh I'm, i need to download doshin the giant i definitely want to check that out um i need to uh play obviously um uh, the fire emblem games as well i've already played path of radiance but i'd like to have that on steam deck as well just to tool around with it um and there's you know there's a bunch of other stuff like older games that i want to uh, i was asking people on twitter what's the best ssx game you know what was the game of the ps2 era on ssx that was the best um so i'm trying to find out what that is so i can put that onto the ps2 you emulator. Did play like the burnout games yeah could do you know there's loads of stuff and that's that's the fun thing here is just like you know you can just go and find stuff and there's uh but now you know, you've got like specific consoles set up playing yeah. another game that's on that console will mm-hmm. be a lot easier right yeah uh, kind of yeah i mean you have to you have to get games onto the steam deck in the first place which is its whole own rabbit hole which i fell down which is i am putting them on an sd card so i bought like a 128 gig sd card where i can load all those roms onto however when you format the sd card on the steam deck it formats it to a linux format which means that when you plug it into a windows pc it says we don't recognize this this might be corrupted or something it's because it's built for a linux format so once you format it to the steam deck you then can't just plug the sd card into a pc to get games on it 
which is annoying so i was like how do i get games onto it now i have the sd card so i used a hard drive and my hard drive was able to connect to both but then my hard drive when i plugged it back into my pc after using it on the steam deck suddenly wasn't recognized anymore i was like oh shit this is not good um and then i realized that i just needed to download a driver to get my hard drive to work again so i don't actually know if the issue was with it plugging into linux and then not being recognized or if it was the fact that i just didn't have the right driver for it on my pc but i'm scared now to use that hard drive because it has a lot of my own backed up stuff on it so i don't want to use it i then found a program that basically transfers data wirelessly from a folder on your pc to a folder on the steam deck so you drop it into the folder on your pc and it just appears on the steam deck and then on the steam deck you can drag it from there into the sd card but then that creates problems on the steam deck that if i move it from there or if i delete if i move it from the folder on windows and take it away it disappears also from the steam deck but for some reason the data is still there so in the back end it still registers as having gigabytes taken up by it even though the file has disappeared which is like its own rabbit hole of like then i went into i I downloaded a file management system system and then went in and deleted that data manually like bali this this device would give you a fucking heart attack like the amount of tinkering i have done everything you're saying makes me like we've had our discussion before is the biggest reason i think nintendo won't be that concerned yes until they can create something that would appeal to some someone like me Mm -hmm. and requires considerably less tinkering i just don't see how it will become mainstream in the way that the switch switches yeah absolutely yeah there's a reason they're not selling this in stores at the moment it's because it's just not consumer ready um and like i don't know if it ever will be because fundamentally this is just still a pc at the end of the day right like they could do two skews they could do one that becomes even more complicated and high-end and this that and the other and then Mm. they can definitely put something together that would be at least slightly simpler yeah at least slightly simpler i don't think valve would ever lock things off though they're not that kind of company they're not going to make a closed source system it's just against that complete ethos of the company right like it's just not going to happen you could make something that seems closed off but then there's actually some and to be honest with you this the steam deck kind of is that at the moment because like if you are someone who just doesn't know any of this stuff and you just want to download steam games you can just kind of do that you don't have to like in order to get to desktop mode you have to do very specific things holding down the power button for long enough to bring up a menu to then go and switch to desktop mode right you can't just accidentally stumble into it um we were so, discussing like if if you lived closer to me i could probably get by having one and you could yeah uh, because because you know you'd be like hey uh, i have a problem come over and fix it for <laughs> me right like but i can troubleshoot me in edinburgh and you in london it's like oh, it's just yeah just it just wouldn't I, work. i'm just gonna yeah. encounter an issue every single day <laughs> yeah pretty it, honestly you will yeah it definitely will happen but um yeah. yeah i i i think this thing is fucking fantastic it's so cool and um you know it almost is a bit of a glimpse of the future because it almost to me is like well this is kind of the power level that you might expect from a, a switch 2 or a switch successor does this make you think right come on nintendo get your finger out let's get a bit more juice yeah, in the next switch let's i go. think so it really does because like playing it's just like seeing how crisp and sharp everything looks on that screen and it is a weird resolution it's 1200 by 800 so it's like almost a square resolution in a way that doesn't adhere to the 16 by 9 stuff that most games uh you know work on and um that's, that's very interesting they'd go for that yeah and i'm not sure why they did um it also feels like you know the bezels could be increased uh, so you could have it almost feels like a you need to have a switch oled version of the steam deck that has a bigger screen and stuff like that to fix some of these issues and i don't know, make it a bit more portable a bit more compact um but uh 
but yeah so far i'm having a great great time with it and you know had to play uh, my old favorite metroid fusion on there and i was like do i really want to play gba games on a screen this fucking large and like they do look so big like it just i boot up golden sun as well i'm like wow this is like i don't know that gba games were meant to be played on a screen this large however they look sharp as hell like oh my god it's mm. so so like hd in a way that is pretty stunning uh and you know the d-pad is also excellent so like if you do want to play retro games on this thing excellent really really nice d-pad um and the buttons and everything feel good and yeah like i didn't think i would use the back paddles the back buttons at all because that's the sort of stuff you get on like the xbox elite controller i'm like i don't know what you're ever going to use that for but fundamentally because this is a system that has like save states and stuff like that that's the use of them right you can use every other button and you actually have like dedicated buttons that you can use for save stating and loading and for doing all these other options which is is really nice you can use it for like fast forward speed if you want you know um you know do turbo mode and, and things like that it's it's uh it's such a great little thing uh, i say little great big thing uh that i enjoy a lot so far and you know when my power went out yesterday uh, i was like you know what hey i can still play my pc games because i've got them on here and i can play ai the somnium files and have a great time uh, and that's what i did uh, while i was waiting yeah. uh, under candlelight waiting for all the power to be turned on again so uh yeah uh steam deck versus switch i still think that the switch comes out on top in terms of just affordability and functionality out the box just obviously you're lacking in power and that's the biggest difference but Mm. you know steam deck if you want something that is a little bit more juicy and you want to just get in there and get your hands in it get dirty then steam deck is definitely worth checking out Um, i think it's really fantastic a lot of fun Um, and also i can play wind waker hd on it and i can't thank you nintendo on my nintendo switch yet so uh (laughs) yeah i did send that was the video that i sent you and our friend ali t and i was like hey look at this magic and like talking about the back paddles i could hold the back paddles down to bring up the touchscreen like the wii u and because steam deck has a touchscreen it almost is it's almost like a perfect wii u emulation device it's kind of awesome it's kind of awesome so um yeah very very happy with that um cool bally you've got one more little thing to talk about before we move on yeah just wanted to say i've started bayonetta 2 as part of our game trade and i'm yes. about three chapters in nice. um having a good time so far but yeah. i'll i'll talk about that next time lovely yes i've also started owl boy i started at your house actually yes. when i was there uh, and i think that game's really cool also but i need to get back to it i need to uh you know stop tinkering with steam deck and get back to playing owl boy on my switch um which i will do and hopefully we can talk about those games in the future but uh we are going to go on over to the next segment so don't get anywhere we'll be back after the break talking about your emails see you in a bit
welcome back to the second part of today's show. It is time for your emails once again. Uh, but as usual, we've got to put out the call. MBZ, we've got to put out the call. It's thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Please send in your emails. We are always in need of more. Mm-hmm. Um should also say we've got a channel on our Discord server dedicated to emails. So if you want to post over there, that'd be most welcome as well. Absolutely, uh, your comments, yeah. Your questions. If um, you've never written in before, write in because it's nice hearing from new people. It's good, yeah, good fun. We time. love it. Yeah. Our first email this week is from Chad from Lincoln, Nebraska. It says, hey guys, I'm sipping bourbon and playing Gunman Clive on my new to me 3DS. It's a good combination and got me wondering about your drink of choice both in general and for gaming sessions. Does it depend on genre? I'm normally a gin and tonic drink drinker, which goes which goes great with Ollie Ollie World, Celeste, etc. Beer and sports question mark. What are your thoughts? Yeah, thanks, Chad. Um that's um it's an interesting one because I I generally don't drink on my own when I'm at home. I will I will generally only drink socially. Um I know that my sister and my dad are very different. Like they will just, you know, drink whenever and wherever. <laughs> you know, they'll just like it's Friday, let's get a drink in and you know in those situations yeah I'll, I'll have something um so usually that's the situation where i'm having a drink uh, and playing a game at the same time is like i'll have something that uh, someone else has, has had in the house and i'm i'm just gonna have it as i you know jump into a game of overwatch or something like that right um just something kind of chill in, in the evening um but yeah i think there's there's ways in which you can kind of pair drinks together with games in a fun way and um there's almost that tipping point right and i think this is the case with lots of different activities with alcohol but there's that point where you're like just buzzed enough to like have almost a bit of a weird advantage and you're not kind of like over the top where you're fucking up basically so like you get to that point where you're like slightly drunk but not drunk enough to be like terrible at things but it actually kind of almost feels like you're you're made better by it you know what i mean Bally? like you you kind of like yeah. have that kind of like you can almost perform slightly better because your kind of inhibitions are kind of like uh you know dropped off a little bit you know yeah i mean i i really don't drink and play games at all to be honest yeah <laughs> like i i will if i'm not going out for like a meal or a drink with people the only time i'm drinking at home um is like watching sport so like it's like right the edinburgh i follow edinburgh rugby very closely watch their games like every week and me and caroline will be like right let's have a beer and watch some rugby and that'll be like us having a couple of beers and that's about it i'll never then like continue that drink into a gaming session later in the night i'll just switch to something and just do you think that's because you're so you know when you're you have a controller you're already holding something and so there's that almost difficult it's, it's the thing of like if i wanted to stop snacking you know and you know get healthier or whatever i would just play games <laughs> constantly uh, after work and not do anything else because my hands just get so distracted and get so busy my mind like taken away from it you know when it's passive activity when it's watching a tv show or a movie or something like that i always have a snack in front of me just because i'm just a broken person um and i i love nuts and crisps and all that sort of shit so i'm just like there doing that and when i'm playing games i'm usually not and the reason is well first of all i don't want to get a fucking like cheetos dust on my controller you know but also um you know it's just inconvenient you know it's just not easy to play stuff but also eat at the same time because your hands are already preoccupied um which i think with a drink is easier because you can put it down and pick it up without much trouble and there's no especially like your overwatch example there's so much loading time well there's a hell of a lot of loading oh yeah i just mean generally between games that um you can have like a little drink in between for sure yeah Um, totally would you say that your go-to is beer? Do you have any other drinks of choice at home? Yeah, I like 
bottled beer, generally lager. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm out, I normally go for like a more interesting some sort i do like like a fruity ipa okay like some kind of interesting craft beer that's maybe got a kick of fruit or i know america when i was last in america back for ali t's wedding yeah. at this stage um america's really into like sour beers at the moment and i feel like they're not really a big thing in the uk at the moment um yeah and i really really liked the couple i tried not like i can remember their names otherwise yeah i'll just like standard lager uh what, what do we have in the fridge like birra moretti like okay italian lager nothing yeah. nothing too fancy no uh no spirits you know not just uh not shotgunning vodka you know <laughs> uh, yeah i i really like whiskey i just don't drink it enough that's um, fair yeah and i think my rule with whiskey is if i'm out in scotland i'll try and have a whiskey and then if i'm elsewhere i won't bother because it's way too expensive oh but, yeah um, yeah yeah, you get whiskey's like no more expensive than any other spirit in Scotland, so it's like a good. That's true. It's a good place to drink it here. Yeah, totally. Or like mixes of some kind. That's usually that's usually like you know when you're at uni at a club, that's when you're getting mixes, right? <laughs> yeah, my my go-to mix was like Jack Daniels and Coke. That was yeah. my my go-to. What about uh, vodka iron brew? You know the the old Scottish <laughs> that's classic. All right. That's yeah. all right. I yeah. should say more widely. I only actually drink four drinks. Um, okay. This is including non-alcohol. And okay, like yeah. Every every everyday drinks. I I am constantly on a bottle of water. I've got like uh-huh. a, I've got like a a reusable plastic bottle that is constantly topped up, and I'm constantly drinking. And that's what I'm drinking the most when I'm gaming. Yes. Um, and I must get through like three or four of these a day. So yeah, like, I drink a fuck ton of water, but yeah. I also put a bunch of ice in it as well because I have to have the coldest possible. Like even in the dead of winter, where everyone else is like drinking hot warm drinks. Would you do that even in Scotland, or is that a London thing? Because it's... I think I do it less. I do it less in Scotland. This gets into some weird shit with like water quality, but like London water is trash fucking. Gold garbage holy <laughs> shit i cannot stand it it is absolutely disgusting when you grow up in scotland and you have water in scotland you oh. come down to london oh, it is God. a nightmare i don't yeah. understand how people live their lives drinking straight from the tap in london it is absolutely awful um, yeah. the water quality is so fucked up down here it's, it's terrible i am um, um, actually had the for the first time last night it's just gotten cold enough where i drank some water in the middle of the night from my mm-hmm. bottle and it was very cold man the bedroom was was cool that's the benefit uh, of scotland right it's just yeah. the coldness of it that oh, i i do more. like a lot you know so you know when i the thing i do when i go back home you know when i'm in my house i'm like okay i'm just gonna get a, a glass of water from the tap and i'm just gonna drink it and i just like sit there for a moment and just like kind of savor it i'm like i can just do this i can just drink from the tap and it tastes <laughs> yeah. good whereas in london that that is part of the reason why i have ice is I have to make it as cold as possible to make it even palatable to enjoy. So yeah, yeah I, I am constantly using ice here. Do you drink, do you always drink it in a glass or do you do bottled? Yeah. Or always I, I always do a glass. I prefer glass for water always. That's high stakes for such a, electronics person you know? yeah i know but i have like small enough glasses i've got like a um uh you know what do you call it a, a coaster here that okay. i have on top of and you know i use i use tissues to like that because obviously when it, you have ice in a glass it gets yeah. a condensation mm. on the bottom mm. so it gets kind of like wet on the coaster so i have to like dab it off a, a bunch of times and stuff but um but yeah i i'm i'm generally quite careful with that stuff even though yes it is right next to a wii u and a ps4 and oh, a God. very expensive monitor and my keyboard and everything um yeah no <laughs> i probably should be a bit more careful but uh but it hasn't gone wrong yet so i'm okay i think the um, other three drinks i drink are i'll have a glass of fresh orange juice every single morning mm-hmm. with my weetabix that's my go-to that's yeah. a little vitamin c boost um sure. every time i get a fish supper 
or I'm eating salt and vinegar crisps. Yes. Um, I like a can of iron brew. Um, yeah, often when I get a takeaway, I love a cold can of iron brew. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And then the only other drink I really drink is like bottles of beer with rugby games. Yeah. And that's my, those are like, like the four things I drink. That's it. I'm sure we've talked about iron brew in the past, but for yes. the Americans listening, uh, iron brew is a Scottish drink that is orange, uh, very much in line with, you know, Scotland, I guess. But ginger. it does not uh, taste orange. It, it doesn't, does no. Um, it's... I don't know if I can even describe the taste of iron brew. It is almost inscrutable. It's very manufactured. Like, it's, yeah. um, I think it's closest to bubble gum. Sure. But, um, there's some, it's like a bitter bubble gum. Yeah. I, I mean, argue. the bar, who's the company who like does iron brew, they also mm. make like bubble gum flavored drinks as well. Oh uh, yeah. The, the, there's a whole series of like cream soda, lemonade, oh, man. cream soda. Cola. I used to have so much cream soda at school, like the tuck shop at school. I would get cream soda all oh, the God. goddamn time. Um, yeah, I, I like bar, that. Stuff. Bar's cr- cream soda. Yes, bar's cream soda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, which um, uh, was great. But yeah, Iron Brew is... Uh, Scotland amazing. is supposedly one of the only places in the world where the number one soft drink is not Coca-Cola and it's yep. Iron Brew. So yep. that's yep. a fun, fun stat. Although Iron Brew has like... Uh, it, it's got nerfed, is what we'll say. They patched Iron Brew. Uh, they, they made it less, less sugary. So um, I don't think it's quite at its peak condition. It was a fit in with um, sugar legislation. Yes, Scotland, there was legislation so, about it. Um, um, they would have to pay a high tax to keep their original formula, and they chose yeah. not to. They chose not to. So I'm um, sure you can buy very expensive, like, original cans of Iron Brew out there. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'm sure people are hoarding them because they don't exist anymore, basically. Um, but yeah, in terms of, uh, like, games to pair with drinks, I do think Overwatch is a good one. Like, there's a level at which, Downtime. like, when, when I'm kind of buzzed to just, like, yeah, I'm really nailing this match. I'm, like, like in the zone. I'm just, like, hitting all my headshots, like, that type of thing. Competitive games, I think you can get a bit of an edge with it when you've you've had, um, you know, a beer or two. Uh, for me, I generally like whip beers, um, which are ones that you usually find in, like, Germany or, like, when oh, we're yeah. in Amsterdam. I like- um, those as well they're really nice yeah my dad basically uh got me onto those when i was younger and so those when i go for beer i usually go for like a hochaden or something like that some some kind of wit beer uh, I, I like those erdingers are good yeah i like those in the summer a lot um that's usually if any time of the year though even if it's not the summer i will usually go towards those those are, those are my preferred beers there's some in brussels that it was i think it was wit beers that they'd, yeah. they'd serve with a lemon in them oh really yeah i think that does happen sometimes yeah which is interesting um so yeah that's probably my my go-to um i don't get too crazy with things i'm not really i'm not a wine person my sister's a big wine person at this point um but yeah uh i i kind of i wine's okay like i'll have a wine or i like i do like a prosecco obviously often when we're at like family gatherings prosecco is always out uh, and that's usually what we have which is I guess Prosecco, Prosecco is, is very nice. Prosecco yeah. is like basically a a cheaper champagne almost, right? It's like I a, think it's the it's the thing that gets me buzzed the absolute quickest. Oh yeah, sure. definitely. Like Prosecco champagne is like what? yeah. Oof, I would say summer there. is usually when I'm drinking most because people are outside and you know there's there's you know pims or whatever comes out Pimps and Prosecco and yeah that's that stuff can get dangerous quickly if you have too much of it. But um, yeah, I would say like a Prosecco. I'd say like Prosecco and platformers probably goes quite nicely Prosecco together. You know, um, I think that's like you can kind of get that's a good can, po- podcast name. Prosecco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's do a spin-off show where we only drink Prosecco. We just play platformers. Drunk yeah, out of yeah, our minds. absolutely, absolutely. Oh, no. Yeah. Everyone 
someone's going to write in wanting that now. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, patron, we'll we can make, it, we can make a, a top tier pa- patron. Yeah, um, absolutely. Tier. There we yeah. go. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what other genres kind of like work with different alcohol. I guess you know if you want to be like the wine and cheese gamer, right? Like you're like, oh, I'm playing my, I'm playing my very, uh, you know, um, high quality. I don't know visual novel i feel like ace attorney and wine go together maybe uh in a weird way that uh almost like um opposite to one another where one is also like jrpgs turn-based games like you can literally put down the controller anytime and have a big old drink if you yes. want and then yeah. and then keep going you know anything that takes the action out of it i think yeah if you're gonna go for like harder it. liquor if you're gonna have whiskey or rum or whatever then i think jrpgs work with that because there's less yeah there's like plus you know there's a lot of emotional moments that you need that drink to just get yeah. through right <laughs> absolutely yeah well it'll punch up those kind of emotional hits but also because it's turn-based then you don't need to worry about dexterity or like quick reactions so like exactly. getting absolutely sloshed you'll, you'll still be able to get through it and then you know you get to those moments like in xenoblade 3 where i was crying without alcohol and then you're just like you're absolutely sobbing it's just like you're you're dying on the floor at that point you know that's that's what you want to be so um yeah that's what you're looking for uh anyway fun question thanks chad <laughs> that was yes. enjoyable good, good question uh our next email is from mike c who says hi bally and mbz i've recently completed kirby and the forgotten land and boy is the ending a treat I'm pretty sure they drafted in some help from Platinum Games to put that one together. For me, it really elevated the game from an 8 or 8.5 to a solid 9. I think back to when I completed The Outer Worlds, where the ending left me feeling a bit flat. Do you think games with multiple endings tend to have worse conclusions than those which are more linear? Uh, Also, how important is the ending for you in terms of your opinion of a game? Are there good games which have been ruined by a disappointing ending, or in my case with Kirby games where the ending has really lifted the whole thing? On a related note, the post-credits part of Kirby are great too. Uh, what games uh, have good content at, after the credits have rolled, and do you always bother with that stuff? Do game creators take a big risk in saving content for after the end of the main game, where only a small proportion of gamers might get get to or bother with? Uh, thanks for the fantastic podcast. Uh, and <laughs> and if you answer my question, I might even sign up to your Patreon. Well, like, there we go. That, you, you're now uh, contractually bound. Yeah, yep. uh, So off it. you go. <laughs> go awesome. over to the website. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a really interesting one because I think we had a similar experience with Kirby where I feel like the end of that game, I was maybe flagging a little bit. I was like, okay, we're using the same power-ups. We're weak kind of middle, just doing... Very weak middle. Yeah, and we're kind of like doing the same stuff. Like there wasn't enough new uh, abilities for Kirby to do his mouthful mode stuff with. I was like, okay. And then you get to the end of that game and it's just like a fireworks display of just like as he says almost platinum games level of just like things start popping off and i was like wow this really like almost elevated it in my estimation so i think it can definitely have an impact on you right like um i i'm still in love with xenoblade 3 i think it's one of the best games i've ever played but i did think the ending wasn't like quite at the level that i wanted it to be right like it it was really good but it didn't like absolutely knock it out of the park for me in a way that i was maybe hoping for so i wouldn't say that like took it down in my estimation but maybe it made me think about the other other parts of the games more fondly than the ending itself mm. um and maybe just recontextualize things a little bit more for me um and maybe it's one of those things where once they come out with the dlc for that game i might be even more on board because they might have left questions open that then get answered you know as part of that dlc um and it's also one of those games where actually reflecting back on it and going back and watching other people play through it i i, I like it a bit more than i did when I, I think i first played it like there's almost that that first experience where you have expectations for something especially 
especially when like the ending of xenoblade one is like one of my favorite endings in games right i i do think that there's a high bar that you have to hit basically um and when it doesn't get hit it's it's maybe it just maybe knocks it down a little bit i wouldn't say it would have knocked it down like score wise for me at all but um but yeah i, I think that it definitely has an effect so are there any endings valley for you that kind of like or games that were affected yeah. by the fact that the ending was slightly different or off or better i if controversial opinion if i had to take beginning middle and end um i actually think the ending's the least important out of beginning middle and end to yeah be honest. i think in if you're talking about game and a good pacing let's say an average i don't know 12 hour game mm-hmm for me the beginning and middle are more important than the end and that's partly because like i already know that once i'm past the middle whether the end is good or not i'm i've got enough energy to get through it whether i'm having a good time or not and you also know what your kind of opinion is on the game by that yeah right you know um uh, yeah journey before destination definitely is kind of like my mantra when it comes to certain games like long games especially you know like big, right. big rpgs and but, stuff like it's, it's but very i think different. that games where the ending soured me a bit it's it's often to do with difficulty more than plot to be honest yeah it's um, mechanically driven mechanically often. and that like i could talk about so many grpgs where like the final boss is just too difficult or the game just doesn't have a setting to turn down the difficulty that's like such a easy one that square cocked up uh-huh. with games like uh kingdom hearts 3 like i yeah. had a rough time with that final boss um i had a really rough time with the xenoblade 1 final boss yeah um and like maybe that did sour my overall experience a bit but i still would stand by beginning and middle and more important um wait what's a trying to think of games with like incredible endings like yeah, yeah Kirby does have a good ending but like i think i was already too soured by the middle to be like right and that's an eight or a nine in my mind yeah I think, by that point i um, think like there are really good endings that can elevate a game that you've already been enjoying so like for me splatoon 3 the end of that campaign i was like i already was in love with this yeah, game from a single player perspective and then the ending the final boss is so fantastic and like enjoyable um that i was like like fully on board that said there is a phase to that final boss that i thought was annoying and bad and i didn't enjoy that much and that and that didn't fully sour me on it but like it definitely is like a wrinkle in it a little bit of like i want to be saying like the end of this game is all the way fantastic but it isn't quite all the way fantastic yeah. like it has like um you know a great like final boss and then there's like a post final boss thing that i'm like well this just maybe could have been done a little bit better you know um so yeah. and like, there's definitely elements like that games like tunic from this year oh or yes metroid dread from last year like both those games have fantastic endings but i think they have really strong middles as well so like yeah. I, I think trying to find games that have weak middles and strong endings i agree kirby's one but i don't think there's as many out there that i can think of off the top of my head to be honest yeah it's definitely hard to to find ones like that um i think tunic is an interesting one because i almost think of it as two different games right like i like the zelda kind of run around stuff but i was like oh the combat gets a little bit annoying and it's just a little bit frustrating so i just turned it onto invincible mode and you know I, I did all the end game like boss stuff and i was like this is fine like i do like the combat stuff in this game and it's, it's all right but it was when the switch flipped in tunic that like it became a completely different game and it almost it almost 180'd me on like my in not my entire opinion on the game because i think up until that point i was really enjoying it i thought like the kind of like 
the weird kind of inscrutability of it and all of that stuff was great and i thought the level design was great but for me it was like an eight out of ten right and then you get to that other stuff and it almost like just the ending and like the final stuff you have to do in that game makes it like a 10 right like it for me it just absolutely skyrockets it in a way that i haven't seen in many other games before um and i think that's kind of a special case but for me the ending and the final stuff you do in tunic also just almost just makes it so much better than that start uh, maybe you feel a little bit differently about it but for me it like really skyrocketed it uh, yeah really i think i was a, bit, a lot more into the, the like the main game and the combat yeah. and and all that for sure but uh, even as high as i was on the main game i like yeah that ending did skyrocket it for me for sure yeah like um really really cool stuff i'm just trying to think other i think for you the the infamous one uh, on this podcast is that i think the ending of inside soured you on inside a little bit um oh that's a great example that's a great example of a game that i had thought had a very strong beginning and middle and then the end has just left me very sour on the game generally um i say sour on the game i still think that game but like mechanically and puzzle wise and the setting like it's all fantastic i just i wanted more from that ending than what what you got you wanted more resolution basically wanted more resolution for sure for sure um Um, yeah are there games with like multiple ending like how do you feel i I know that we generally are not big fans of multiple endings to video games um because i'm not someone who's going to play through something again just to just to see this one cut scene at the end or whatever that's slightly different you know it's never been something that i'm that into um that said you know you do get like a bonus cutscene in breath of the wild if you do all the shrines for example right um you don't get that otherwise or um i never knew uh, that do you i'm pretty sure oh maybe it's just doing all the divine beasts i'm okay, pretty right, sure you, right. you get like that last cutscene you don't get unless you do there is a certain condition you need to do in order okay. to get it um which again i don't think that's like a game-changing world-ending thing but it's it's a nice bonus i think um for people who do do it. i i definitely think think tunic's another game that bucks the trend for me where i i agree i don't like multiple endings but Uh tunic basically does have two endings and i yeah i like what it does with those two alternate endings i would also Um, argue that like it's kind of a near automata situation where you don't know the true situation until you've got the proper ending like the proper ending really is the the real ending of the game and you shouldn't stop after you get the bad ending basically right uh, is my feeling on it with with that game in particular but um and then well actually ending the tunic's remarkably similar to hollow knight and hollow yeah. knight's a game where i really dislike the fact it's got like all these multiple endings i would yes. have loved more one united final boss final thing um, right and because uh, it's such a long game on top of that that by the time you're there i was i was very done with it you're just kind of exhausted that and that final boss on its own is really hard but yeah, then the, sure. the idea that you need to get this other stuff and then go back and then you need to be that final boss and then there's another final boss after yeah. it's even more brutal even harder and if you die you have to beat that first phase again to then just get to the second phase again yeah it's just yeah. like and they're really going for like we want the, we want to make the hardest most challenging ultimate metroidvania they're definitely yes. going for that with that game um and maybe i just don't have the have the gaming chops to quite get up there but um yeah i i hollow knight's a good example and again like i would have loved it more if just hollow knight ended a bit more more similar to a game like ori where yeah it's just like what is one linear thing and that's i'll take that thank you very much that was fantastic great move on i i and i think that's also the nature of this podcast is we like to beat games and Mm -hmm. when you're thrown multiple endings in your face it's like oh but well do i beat the game here or do i beat it there and 
I just want this thing done, but I also want to get a full, you know, a full experience. And yes. it's that that debate in your head of have I seen enough or do I want the full full experience? And I think with Tunic, it felt very obvious what the full experience was. Where with Hollow Knight, it was like mm, I don't I don't want to do this extra stuff. Yeah, and I think with Tunic, like there's so much more to do in that kind of like actual ending stuff versus hollow knight is just one extra kind of stage of a boss um i know that hollow knight has a lot of optional stuff in it that that game has like you know arena stuff and like you know other action extra like platforming areas like the path of pain and things like that which there's also a bunch of stuff that got added after i had played the game right because the game came out in 2017 i played it on pc and then in 2018 they added a bunch of stuff when it came out on console platforms so i never really went back to any of that stuff you know i i tend to be the type of person who doesn't go back to games after i'm done with them it's a very rare scenario for me to you know jump back in when there's an update or there's something new being added or something along those lines right so um yeah how do, how do we feel about like stuff after credits like post game stuff almost, like uh, depends but for me it's like almost even more negative than multiple endings because it's like right i'm done with the game and oh god you're actually throwing me stuff now after the, i'm no i'm unless i'm i'm having an absolute ball of a time Mm -hmm. i very rarely dip into like post-credit stuff and i know even earlier in the show we were talking about like roguelikes and how you're very keen on beating them again and again and again and for me with a game like hades like i knew there was something cool you get for 10 defeats so i wanted to get there and i really enjoyed my journey to get there um dead cells just narratively doesn't didn't have the same chops and i right, was like exactly. oh, well I, I don't there's not much more i want from this game beyond the the first credit sequence so yeah it just it depends on the game but generally yeah. speaking once i've seen credits um i'm good totally i i do think that there are rare exceptions for me where i fall in love with a game so deeply that i just don't want to move on from it you know like hades and celeste are two perfect examples of that where like i drilled those to their very core right like i finished celeste and i was like right time to do all these b-sides i and owe then myself I finished... to do those b-sides for yeah. sure yeah totally uh, I, I, that's a good example i think of one that you do want to go back to right yeah, at some point definitely. um so like i was like i did all the b-sides like well what's next okay let's do all these fucking impossible c-sides let's do all of that shit um and i did eventually get to a breaking point with celeste with a farewell dlc where yeah <laughs> they did one more dlc after that yeah where they they, they started introducing mechanics where i was like i just don't think i have the dexterity to pull this off like i have played so many hours of celeste i think i'm quite good at it but now we're in speedrunner territory and i'm not sure i can get to the end of this Um, i don't think that's ever happened to you with like a 2d platforming game before man it's fucking hard where you've looked at the challenge and gone no i think i must have spent almost an hour on just the tutorial for how to do this thing and i couldn't pull it off of the tutorial of how to do this mechanic and i was just like well if i can't do it in the tutorial how am i going to get through the rest of this uh dlc so um the nice thing about celeste is if i do want to go back to it i can just turn on assist mode and just kind of go through it and see the story stuff if i really want to but um yeah maybe i'll go back to that someday and then hades is an example of like yeah i I would say like beating it 10 times actually is similar to tunic where like that's kind of the the ending you want to go for but then i went even beyond that and i beat it i think 49 this is the thing i've beaten hades 49 times i've completed it 49 times but also i have done 99 runs so my next run (laughs) if i fuck it up then i will i will not have the perfect 50 50 balance of like 50 wins to 100 runs so i kind of i'm I'm very hesitant to go back to hades now because i have this almost pristine record that i want to keep um so yeah but i i i did 
pretty much exhausted everything in that game character dialogue uh you know the system where you give gifts to everybody i've maxed out pretty much everyone i think there's maybe one person who i haven't uh so yeah there's still some stuff left to do but i put almost 100 hours into hades and that is a great example of where post-game stuff as light as it is as just as minimal as it is of just like there's little conversations you can have and just pushing little narrative things forward there was enough of a hook on the stick and enough of like gameplay enjoyment for me to go there and you know up all the modifiers and difficulty stuff that i just fell in love with just constantly playing that game over and over uh and yeah it is you know at this point it is one of the great games of all time for me like it, it's up there in the pantheon so um you know games like that where i really get into them that's when that will happen um and you know xenoblade 3 is a great example where like there is really cool like fan servicey story stuff that happens after the credits that like if you're a xenoblade fan you, you just have to do it like it's just it's, it's just required reading almost you know like the game is not over until you have done those post-game quests and um and even now i still have like multiple colonies where i haven't maxed them out and stuff so i feel the draw every day bally to just you know instead of playing new games just to go back and play more xenoblade but um i kind of i kind of just like want to do that and it's it's hard sometimes when you know you're so pulled in by a game that you you kind of don't want to play anything else you almost have that like um that post-game hangover right where you're just like you've you've been so enthralled by something you're just so blown away by it there's hard to pick up anything new you know um and that yeah. happens very rarely i think for me but when it does it really hits very very hard so for me, if I had an awesome time with a game and there's no like post-credit experience and yeah, you're kind of just living in the moment, I just kind of throw myself into like reviews and podcasts and yeah. people theorizing about the game totally. and like and that, that I, and maybe I might do that like a year on from the game and just like really enjoy it in that way without actually playing the game. Sometimes. It's, it's the second-hand experience, isn't it? Yeah. Like I I have watched like probably up to twenty to thirty different people react to certain moments in Xenoblade Three, and I just I just keep doing it. I just keep going back and I keep listening to the music and all that stuff. Like when a game and or experience like hits with you in that way, I think it's um yeah it's it's really cool. And so, you know uh endings can be important to that but um you know oftentimes uh the games go beyond the ending you know and, and that can that can be really really cool so yeah i don't know if there are any as you said i th- i find it really hard to think of a game where i found it kind of average and then the ending was spectacular you know like mm. i think it's it's really rare for that to happen um it, it probably has happened but i just yeah it's, it's hard for me to think of examples where that's the case where it really really just elevates it and i wouldn't i would i would say that like kirby was a great game anyway it wasn't like the kirby was bad and it suddenly had a spectacular ending it was just maybe like getting a little bit long in the tooth and then had a spectacular ending i think that's probably where a lot of jrpgs sit you know uh where they're really great uh, but then they kind of go on for a bit too long and then they have really spectacular endings you know i definitely Um, had a like jaw on the floor moment when i first played like last of us part one in 2020 like i think the the second third of that game is very good but maybe not as impactful as the first and then i think the ending or like the final quarter is like damn okay <laughs> yeah you know what i think last of us part two is an example where the ending made the game worse for me, <laughs> like i think hmm. and i agree with you in terms of juxtaposed with part one for sure um yes. yeah I, I did enjoy part two's ending more than you for sure but um that game is incredibly long uh yeah but yeah 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 exactly um so yeah endings are interesting they're cool but yes uh in the words of brandon sanderson journey before destination uh that is that is Ooh, my here's one theory. with a fantastic ending mm-hmm. um uh oh, i forgot the goddamn name what's the what's the alternate uncharted we like oh 
uh, Alternate Uncharted? Not Alternate Tomb Raider? No, 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 it's an Uncharted game, but it's it's the oh, short Oh, Lost one. Legacy. Lost Legacy. Yeah, I can never okay. remember that name. Yeah. I think that game has an unbelievably cool, well-done ending. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's there's a lot of spectacle to that thing uh, that yeah. I think is really, really great. Um, and it almost does a similar thing to a previous Uncharted game, but does it like in a even better way. And I think yes. that's, um, that's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of good endings out there. Um, so, yeah, video game endings, they're cool. I like them. Um, Thanks for your email, Mike. That, that, was, that was a really good one. Really, mm-hmm. really appreciate that. Uh, but that's where we've got time for emails on this part of the show. Um, as I said at the top of the segment, please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. If you would like to write into the show, it would be most appreciated. Uh, but we're going to join you in the third segment where we're going to be talking about that Super Mario trailer. Alright everybody, welcome back to the third and final part of today's episode. It is time to talk about the movies, uh, which we... Is that your Mario do. voice? It's a me, it's a Chris Pratt, it's a me, a Mario. Uh, I'm here in the in the Mushroom Kingdom, it's a fun time. Um, yeah, so we finally heard that voice, uh, that was cool. Uh, the, the Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, Bally, has been a thing that has, uh, like a sword of Damocles hung over all Nintendo fans' heads for years when, now. When was it first announced? It I think like, like ages ago. Yeah, probably three years ago or something along those lines, um, which probably... But I think discussions, and uh, in, in Miyamoto referenced this with Chris, I can't remember his uh, Melodandry name. is the Alessand- illumination Alessandri- guy. No, Melodandry. Melodandry. Yeah since like seven years ago i think he said so is it that long My yeah God. he said yeah. that's when they first talked about a mario film i guess yeah them having internal discussions but yes. when when did it become public i don't know a few years ago at the very yeah. least um which for me probably sounds like quite a long time for movies i would say movies generally move especially animated movies move at quite a quick pace these days it's probably to do with the fucking broken state of the vfx industry and how poorly those people are paid and everything that's a whole nother matter um it's uh yeah it's definitely been a long time coming uh and i think the biggest moment uh, so far in this campaign was the nintendo direct last year where miyamoto showed up halfway through and was like hey i'm gonna tell you about the cast of the mario movie and we were all like what the fuck is going on why is this in a nintendo direct and uh you know the the reveals of that were just like legendary like absolutely wild shit everyone lost their minds it was it was pretty bizarre but like when it when it comes down to when you really think about it like this is the most typical thing for animated movies like they just get the biggest name stars possible for animated movies these days it's how you get people into cinemas um and uh yeah i saw a tweet from a, a booktuber i follow uh, daniel green who um he does like fancy stuff and he also does like 
uh, fan he does a fancy news show basically but he kind of brings video game stuff into that sometimes and he was like raging on twitter like why did they not use the original voice for mario why why he's still alive why do they not use him for the movie and uh, i replied to him and i was like it's a pretty simple answer it's marketing like it's come more on, like- than one answer though and i completely agree with chris scullion who said he basically tweeted a video from new super mario bros u mm-hmm. where there's basically Martinet does a lot of chatting in that game and I think this was like an edit 10 minutes worth of all the cutscenes in that game okay and Chris Gullion was making the point right here's 10 minutes of Charles Martinet talking are you telling me you can put up with this for a nearly two hour (laughs) film there is just no way that that level of energy and hysteria Uh can last for a a two hour film and I completely agree honestly and it makes me think about the Mario games and it's like when you think about it, why does Mario sound so over the top? Why does Luigi sound so over the top? Why does Toad, why does Peach, they all sound so over the top because they barely speak at all. So when you do hear them... Right, sp- it's almost injecting that character into the small moments that they have. Yeah, so when you're injecting character into a small segment of time, you've got to bloody go for it. And right. that's what Martinez all about. And it yes. works really well for the games, but that in a film i i personally wouldn't like yeah um, totally and, and i might have said the opposite on the previous podcast but uh-huh. i've been completely swayed by scullion's tweet and um yeah i agree with you totally combined with chris pratt and marketing this damn thing like i think it's it's twofold for sure i think that yes i, I definitely think it is but like let's be honest at the end of the day 90 percent of the reason is because people know who chris pratt is and that's why and this is if you're going to sell tickets to a movie um into cinemas that's what gets people in seats is people they've heard of it's big celebrity names uh, and that's that's really the very simple answer is he's a famous person but, but you don't agree that martin just wouldn't work no, I, no, I, I, I do agree on right. that. But like, if you're thinking about from an executive standpoint, I don't think they actually care that much about that. They care more about let's get Anya Taylor Joy in this and let's get like all these yes. famous yeah. people. That is honestly the the most important thing. It's marketing. That's all it is. It's very simple. Um, and and you know you, the reason all these animated movies have big stars in them is so that they can get people into seats. Very very simple. Um, so yeah, I think it it makes sense why they did it. As, as funny as it was in that Nintendo Direct, when we're all reacting. It's like, well, this is just the most Hollywood move ever. Like, of course they're going to do this. Like, it's there's no kind of like um, you know there's no universe in which they would. You know, it's why Tom Holland plays Nathan Drake in the movie. Right? Like they could have got. They have the original actor. He has done TV before. You know, um, Nolan North is very competent and very very good, and he's the voice of Drake that everyone knows. But Tom Holland is Tom Holland. So, like, what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to get Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland. I don't think Tom Holland was huge before he got Spider-Man, though, right? Like, there are still plenty of Hollywood examples where they go for... Yeah, but but I think... The big Marvel film or Star Wars film can be the film that makes actors. Exactly, but but the the thing there, right, is that the franchise is bigger than the person, and so you create stars from the franchise in the first place, right? Like, they almost... I think Mario is bigger than most of these people. No, but I think in this case, right, you almost... Anime is totally different to real life because it's a character versus an actual on-screen persona. In When you're talking about stuff like Marvel or you're talking about Star Wars, the illusion that they want to create is this is the character you want to associate that person with the character and so why tom holland is so associated with spider-man is because people didn't know him before that role right he was relatively unknown yeah and that's what happens with you know john boyega and daisy ridley they cast unknowns in these big pictures because they want to create that association and then they go on to be big stars and then they get cast into things for other things because of that reason but i think animation is totally different in that way um because it is it's just like it's not the actual person um so they need other ways of getting people in which is 
you know, taking people. Like Chris Pratt, was he well-known? He was on Parks and Rec, but Guardians of the Galaxy made him a name. All these big uh, name actors these days, half of them come from Marvel movies, right? Like, when you look at it, that's what happened. They made their name in those movies because that's what they get associated with, and then they're famous as a result, and as a result, then they get cast in everything else. So I think that's kind of the pipeline we're looking at when it comes to franchise stuff. And animation, you know, if it was a if it was a real-life Mario movie, maybe that would be different, where you would cast an unknown who is Mario, right? But but Chris Pratt's not even an, a- an animated unknown. He's the main dude in the Lego movie, which is, yeah, like that's critically but, but, the best... Yeah animated film in the last decade yeah totally but then you know that also is a result of him being famous beforehand right like he all famous people get uh in animated movies because they were famous beforehand basically oh yeah i'm not denying that but like i think that it's important he's had a huge role in an animated film and isn't it's not just about guardians of the galaxy i think a little bit i don't think they think about it that much to be honest like there are a bunch of people in here who haven't done animated stuff as well so you know i think I think that it's it's a consideration. But they're not they're not the leading role. Yeah, true. That's true. Um, so I, you know, it's 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 very inevitable. I think. Uh, but you know, what do you think of the trailer? The trailer uh, was fine. I thought it was okay. Uh, I, I, did, fine. I didn't. I didn't have much expectation for it, and I. I. It's kind of like it's a Hollywood movie, right? Like it's. It, they're gonna hit the same beats that every movie that's an animated movie hits right it's look it looks very nice i think it's very pretty you know and they've done a very good job making it look nice um but yeah i think it's totally it's totally fine you know i don't i don't have very strong opinions i, I think for me did you think it was gonna be an origin story i didn't know what it was gonna and i think there's also a lot of lingering questions left here right because Mario just comes out of a pipe and ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom, and he's looking around as if he's never seen this place before, right? Yeah. Which to me says, is he a New Yorker who gets sucked into a world, right? <laughs> is Mario a real plumber out in New York? Does he look like... If Mario's home is not the Mushroom Kingdom, where is his home? Exactly. Where does Mario originate from, right? You don't, um, you don't city. Ooh, ooh, spicy. Now, that would be fun. That would be fun, okay? I'd, I'd be down for that. Where, so when Mar- when you... S- the start of the film cannot be him arriving in the pipe it's got to be him in his regular life right well here's the thing right are they going to do the thing where it's just like i'm a real guy in the real world but i get sucked into the animated one and now i look like a cartoon character like the lego movie yeah is chris pratt going to just be like walking around with a mustache on right in real life and then he just gets he's actually he's actually a new york plumber called mario right he's a real just he's just a regular dude who is a plumber in new york who fixes people's pipes and one day he goes to someone's pipe yeah but if, if nintendo are already treading a fine line with uh-huh. like heritage and stereotypes yes. i think yeah. actually getting him as a plumber yeah. in new york called mario yeah. would be going too far yeah, i think not it might to be. say it's it might out of the be. question no it's not out of the question but like hear me out here right because if that happens then it's very easy for him to just be at someone's house some weird stuff magic stuff's happening he's looking at a pipe oops all of a sudden he gets shot into this world and now he's an animated character right like it's very feasible Mm. that that would be the case um which then explains the accent uh and explains him being like uh mushroom kingdom here we go you know like that kind of it's like got a bit of brooklyn to it it's got a bit of like um you know we're not going down the stereotypical italian it's 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 a very it's like a it's it's chris pratt's obviously but it's yeah. it's a it's the it's a light it's a light accent it is light yeah it's 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 chris pratt does um new york in the same way that my accent's quite english sounding but has like a little of scottish you know yeah, it's not, yeah i've not got a very scottish accent right exactly but yeah. it's not not scottish it's a little bit yeah it's a little bit of a lilt yeah i think that's definitely true so it's like a um, new york lilt 
Yeah, I will say that um, Jack Black as Bowser sounds great. I do enjoy um, him. Amazingly yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. really impressed. Almost um, like they've almost animated him to look like Jack Black as well. Like the way his face moves. <laughs> the and eyebrows were like, whoa. Okay. Yeah, right, yeah. totally. Uh, it did get a chuckle out of me when the penguins were just throwing. They're like, like this big setup of like the war, and then they just start throwing, and then it cuts to that shot of Bowser standing there and just being uh, getting hit with snowballs. I thought was yeah. very funny. So I think. I was pretty impressed by the trailer. I obviously didn't know what to expect. I'm, I'm. It does seem like this is Bowser taking over different parts of the Mushroom Kingdom, and this is this will be quite near the film, the introduction of Bowser. You know, yeah. this is him just taking over this ice ice world that the penguins live in. Yeah, he's basically just be, being a colonizer, essentially, is what Bowser's right. doing. Um, I hope he's going to stop Bowser. Da, 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 da. Uh, he's just being a a dickhead uh-huh. and then yeah mario comes we don't know from where yeah and it's his origin story to become the hero of the mushroom kingdom and take down yep. bowser yeah probably um, have you seen any leaks by the way because there was an image of princess peach that has leaked out that seems very legit I've now not seen the peach leak no okay. what did you think of the peach leak uh looks very good uh, i think that their version of peach looks great um i think these characters the, the designs are definitely their own style right like when you look yes. at mario he is I wouldn't say he's off, but like he looks very different. They've definitely gone with a distinctive style. I think you can get used to it. I'm, I'm, I like it. Yeah. The same with like the style of the mushrooms and the grass, and it's like it's got a look. There's something like not organic, but like something just like almost. Yes, it's a, there is an element of it being organic for sure. Yeah. It's not just a cartoon. There's a texture a to those mushrooms that is just like well this is almost flesh you know yes, like totally. <laughs> there's a weird and like toad to has teeth and stuff like this yeah and, yeah um, honestly i really like it like because it gives the it gives the film its own identity right like, exactly. this is the mario film it's not just the film version of the game i mean to some degree i guess it is but yeah. it's it's very much like we'll look back on this in 20 years but yep that's a shot from the mario film because right. you can just tell from that style because there's a distinctive um, look that each of the characters have and i think that's when i was first thinking about this as an animated movie i was just thinking about like you know your typical 3d renders of what mario looks like in nintendo promotional material and being like yeah it'll probably just look like that right it'll just be like mario what he looks like usually you know but i think because they have stylized it in this way and they are definitely making it its own thing it stands out as distinct and i think that that makes sense right because they tried to do that with um sonic and it fucked up and they were like well this version doesn't work so let's go back to what he kind of looks like in the games and i'd say sonic and the sonic movie looks a lot similar to sonic and the sonic games than this mario does for the equivalent you know is the reason that it's stylized so that they future proof themselves if they want to cross over universes mm-hmm. with something uh-huh. that might be a little more zelda or metroid uh-huh. or Poke- yeah. not maybe not pokemon i don't just does it future-proof them a bit if they want to link it to other worlds and that it's yeah. not a bit like smash brothers does you know I, they've all got their the dream, unique smash right? brothers style that's the thing that everyone wants like you know create the mcu but with smash brothers basically right like it's basically the video game equivalent of the mcu um and like if you have if you find some way to get detective pikachu and this mario movie together in some kind of shared universe but also bring in you mean you got new york chris pratt talking uh-huh. to new york <laughs> Pikachu. yeah exactly absolutely <laughs> i'm here for it that's an adventure i would love to see but like if you're able to somehow do that and then here's samus in a metro movie here's link in a zelda movie are you able to like take those together are you able to create a 
you know nintendo have now bought a studio that they have renamed nintendo pictures right so there is there is at least a concerted effort here to move a bit more into the movie space and you know we've talked before about miyamoto he's now the creative fellow over there he does theme parks he does movies is this his new project you know as his kind of retirement from video games in a sense of just like doing this stuff instead and maybe starting to build out what could be a cinematic universe for nintendo i don't think that's their style if i'm brutally honest like it's a nice dream to have i don't know that nintendo looks at it that way i think they look at them as individual separated products um that stand on their own that don't necessarily tie together but i don't know there's i think there's room for it i think people would like it i think it would be successful but I don't think Nintendo generally listens to what people say in terms of what they think would be successful. So, uh, yeah, I I would I think it would be amazing. But I don't know what would it look like. What would a Metroid movie look like? Because it would have to be much more mature. It would have to be aimed at an older demographic and not like this Mario movie clearly is aimed at kids, right? Um, so yeah, yeah. I think there are definitely hurdles, and I think the the number two candidate. Well, they've already. Well, there's rumors that there's going to be like a Donkey Kong film, right? Yes. And yeah. So. There, that, and we know that Donkey Kong is in this film. Yes. Therefore, are they not already admitting that they are doing? There's always that debate, anyway, isn't it? That Donkey Kong part of the Mushroom Kingdom, anyway, right? So maybe that's not the best example. But mm-hmm. I think you start with Mario movie, you then go to Donkey Kong, you go from there. I think the third one might be I don't know, Splatoon, Animal Crossing. Oh man, Zelda. Splatoon would be great. Like, there's already weird lore in Splatoon that you yeah. can make something really cool out of that. I think um, that would be that would be pretty amazing. And then we're gonna have to get over the hump of Inkling speaking English and all this sort of thing. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll get there. But I, I mean, I think this trailer was was really, really good. I think that it looks unique. I think the voices work as weird as they might be initially, um, and I am super intrigued as to where mario is coming from that is really intriguing to me like what what is going on how does he get there in the first place how does he get there um, um and just like i'm excited to see the nods to the games and nods to other things and there'll be the post credits trailer and you know just i'm excited i'm excited for all that um yeah it's sure. look it look i think it looks gorgeous you know from a visual standpoint it's really impressive like when bowser just like blasts his fire on that snow fortress i'm like jesus this is they spent some money on this thing yeah. they really really did mm. um so it's it's visually really really impressive and um i think you know at the end of the day it's just going to be you know a traditional kids you know illumination animation film i don't think it's going to really break any boundaries i don't expect it to i don't think that's what they're trying to go for they just want an extension are you talking about critically amongst fans or money wise i think you know it's it's a mod should be brutally honest about it it's a modern hollywood animated movie right like it's it's not going to be it's not going to be anything that's going to win awards you know um especially for a mainstream audience there are definitely animated movies out there i think i think you're talking down animated films a bit here. no if no you look no, at no some of the if you look at last decade some of the pixar films that have come out and the way that those films are able to aim themselves at family audiences but also yes. adults but also teenagers and different audiences i appreciate illuminations are different to pixar but yes. like i think there is room where they can you can do nods that please different audiences within the one film. I would I would separate this from Pixar because Pixar is all original properties. This is a licensed IP, right? Like it's a licensed IP, which the rules are different. You know, Nintendo are going to have some kind of weird control over it. They don't want Mario doing certain things. They don't want uh, characters represented in certain ways. And that generally takes away from the artistry of it. It means you're less free creatively to do interesting stuff. So fundamentally, I think just because of the limitations and the boundaries placed by a stakeholder like Nintendo on something like this, you're 
you're ultimately going to get something that is fun uh, fine inoffensive probably a little forgettable you know just like detective pikachu was like detective pikachu is a fun film it's not doing anything revolutionary it's like it's a fun like kind of like romp it's enjoyable it's not going to win awards right and that is exactly how i feel the mario movie is going to be it's a licensed ip there's only so much you can do with it when there's this many kind of like fingers in the pie and pixar for me is a totally different thing because that's totally original creative vision coming from original ideas made by a company that is kind of built on the back of that so i don't think it's a good comparison if i'm honest you know those are the types of animated movies that do win awards these are the ones that don't it's a licensed movie you know you're not you're only going to go so far do you think there's going to be any plot twist um probably there'll probably be some weird thing that goes on but again you know it's not going to be something that you know breaks the internet it might do i don't know people seem to like that sonic movie a lot but again is that sonic movie winning any awards so you predict critically it's average sales wise it does quite i think it does really well probably i think it's mario is a well-known brand is he's he's an ip you know just like sonic the hedgehog i think it's going to sell a lot of movie tickets you know a lot of people are going to go and and see it a lot of kids are going to go and see it a lot of parents are going to take their kids to go see it right because it's a it is now a brand that has lived for 40 years 40 years mario at this point when you think about it it's like jesus christ people are old now who grew up with mario so there are families who will go there where they with the adults and the kids and i'm sure they're building it in that way like you said like pixar movies do to have jokes yeah that's what i mean is how look how referential a game like mario odyssey is and the way it's able to appeal to a brand new mario audience as well as people who have been there from day one like how much do they lean on that stuff for the Mm -hmm. film yeah, I think there's definitely lots of references. Doesn't necessarily just have to be the smart ass jokes that no, Pixar no. films have. I didn't mean just that, but like Yeah, totally. I think it will have that, sure, but I think it will also have the um the references and the because the Sonic movie has a bunch of that stuff as well, right? Like and I think uh it makes sense for them to lean into it because you then get you know, you then get a lot more internet stuff going on where YouTube videos are breaking down here, all the Easter eggs and stuff like that. You know, it's just, there's a kind of perpetual cycle. It's almost built uh, in that way. So um, yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be it'll be totally cool. Uh, I'll, I'll go watch it once and I'll be like, that was fun. And then I'll probably forget it ever existed. You know, like I, I think from Nintendo standpoint, and I think we have a, a, an email on this, so maybe we jump into that about yeah. like, is there any going to be any kind of tie-in from Nintendo when it comes to the movie from a game perspective? Um, so, Bally, do you want to read the, the message from Hawks Bill who uh, posted this in Discord? Uh, Hawks Bill says, Hello, on the back of the Super Mario Brothers movie trailer, what do we think the odds are of a brand new spanking new 2D Mario game to be released around the same time, or maybe just after E3? Based on the trailer, maybe a 2D Mario Galaxy. Alternatively, think it's uh, set up for a new 3D game with a a more vast open-ish world. Cheers. So I think this is a nice idea. I also don't think that this is how game development works. You know, if, if, if they're making a game, they are making it from the perspective of how Nintendo make games, which is Splatoon was originally a bunch of tofu blocks, right? They are gameplay first and they are whatever the hell else second um so if they are going to do something that ties in with the movie i think it would have to be much smaller scale and something that could be made on a tighter time frame uh on a smaller budget that somehow is able to make it work with the timing and you know nintendo only puts out games when they think they're ready i mean they sit on games for god's sake they sit on games for years and years um that are already done um and i feel like this is a nice pipe dream but i don't think it's the way functionally the company will work and i think that they they see stuff like the like their mobile business like their you know theme park stuff as 
separate but kind of integrated in the way that like they exist to bring in new fans and kind of help uh you know bridge that gap but also like please existing fans but it's going to be quite separated right i don't think that they're going to have a new mario game that looks like the art style of the new mario movie to me that's the kind of thing sega would do with the sonic movie right like it's not the kind of thing nintendo would do as a company i just feel like they are against that idea now i could be proved wrong in which case like you know whatever nintendo are also unpredictable so who the hell knows but um i don't think it's likely that that's the case what do you think i, I think there's a decent chance of a mario game coming out next year i think yes. the chances of it have ever been planned to tie in with the film at all are little to none basically. Yes. like i think yeah. that um it's very different compared to say sony getting out that they got out the last of us one remake for uh-huh. ps5 in time for the hbo show i think when you already have a console that's got at least 15 games with the name mario in them on the mm-hmm. switch as it stands yeah. i don't think there's any there's not a ton of incentive for nintendo to have a, a brand new mario game out um you know ready for next year they might re-promote something like mario odyssey or do a brand new switch bundle who knows but like i i it's just they operate in a very different way um not to mention that as you said like like this film has been supposedly delayed a bit like it was kind of meant to be this year and um yes nintendo sit on games but i'd be shocked if nintendo would ever sit on something as big as mario or zelda like i feel like those are two franchises where when those games are ready they want them them out and making some money so i don't know i think it's it's a big no for me yeah i think the 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 closest they would get is like tie-in promotions with other games right like look at um what splatoon is doing with their next splatfest they're tying it into pokemon scarlet and violet coming out and they're having something associated with that and splatoon is no stranger to brand integration because it's done it a bunch in the past and in terms of splatfest stuff so you know if nintendo are going to do mario versus peach versus luigi for a splatfest that will definitely happen right as part of splatoon um or you know in in some other game where they're building in some kind of dlc like you know they've done a mercedes dlc in mario kart for god's sake i don't think they're above doing some kind of tie-in uh where and when it makes sense you know is this the moment that mario comes to Fortnite? you know is this is this the big enough event where that is the kind of coordinated marketing effort that nintendo actually wants to to have stuff go on with epic like i don't know maybe that could certainly be something that happens i could see it being a possibility but when it comes for a ground up game made that is based on a movie i think we're just beyond that era when it comes to licensed tie-in games and especially for a company like nintendo they're not going to kind of lower themselves to do that just to get a quick cash grab they are going to be they 100 as you said they're very likely working on a sequel to mario odyssey and have been for many years and that would have been in planning stages long before or or it's totally separate to the whole idea of a mario movie coming out so if we are in a situation where it comes out in the same year or the same time frame as mario movie it's coincidence right it's it's not going to tie in i mean i think you i think you got a point like the development of both the film and that game might have started at very similar probably yeah and they might even come out within months of each other but i think that would definitely be accidental more yes. so than anything else um, and not not purely accidental because i'm sure it benefits nintendo to have marketing surrounding a game while there's yeah. hype around a movie right like there's some coordination to it but from a creative perspective there's certainly no coordination that i expect on that front um no, yeah that doesn't no. make sense to me and like i know mario is probably due like especially in the 2d space is definitely due like a new look rather than just that that 
yes. that new style. God, I hate the name new. Uh, new. Has a new style. He's a new look. He's already had a new look. I mean, a new, new look, you know? Um, Nintendo ruined the word new. They oh, just killed it. I yeah. hate it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I, again, I, will they mi- mimic anything from the film? I, I don't think so. I think they, they, they that development team will want something very unique and and what works for the game exactly um, and nintendo whereas... are best when you give their creatives vision or, or like uh, freedom to run in whatever direction they want to right yeah i mean for all we know nintendo wanted <laughs> this film to look a hell of a lot more like the games and yeah. then illumination said no we want to put our stamp on it thanks yeah. very much we're going to make it look a lot more lifelike and we're going to get rid of mario's ass you know like they want their stamp on this film as much as nintendo do so and their stamp uh, is asses are not good for the mushroom kingdom yeah, we just we're going to go for a tall lean lean mean mario uh-huh. um, <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um yeah i will say uh, i liked uh keegan michael toad as, as uh, keegan michael to- michael keegan <laughs> as, I, go, right, I already fucking blended his name yeah, so, yeah keegan uh, michael toad yeah, uh, yeah he is yeah i think that was a good toad i like the toad um, that was good little snippet of luigi looked fun yes yeah almost luigi's mansion-esque in a dark yeah. kind of area again like away. that's i think those are the two go-tos for like spin-off films would be maybe like luigi's mansion yeah. and likewise donkey kong you know like yeah definitely stick stick to the mushroom kingdom first if all of those work well then you can go to the other ones perhaps yeah i i think for me personally when when it gets to okay mario talking is fine because he does kind of chirp and chip in in game so there's almost a little bit of like yeah we know that mario can talk link doesn't fucking talk uh, Sa- <laughs> samus says one line in metroid red it might be the coolest fucking line in the whole game and she says it in another language and it's fucking amazing but like she's also she has that mystique about her and that kind of like uh, apart from other m she does a lot of talking right yeah right yeah it's true yeah yeah, she, yeah which wasn't great um <laughs> we, we don't talk about that um but you know i i do think that like there's almost a does it ruin the illusion to have a movie where samus is talking and link is talking you know as, as a lot you know as a main character i don't know i think they'll have to figure that out when and if they cross that bridge but um we'll have to see how this does first right we'll see uh, if it, it... it is interesting when mario is and forever will be first and foremost a video game character yeah and that spell is breaking next year and like that uh-huh. is that's a big deal like because that defines that that is the biggest definition of like his voice and the same with like link if link suddenly became in a film like link is no longer just a video game character he's now yeah. also a film character a multimedia property a you know? multimedia property and multimedia properties generally talk um yeah unless you're like yep. a minion yeah, in which case you can get away with a whole movie where they just, like, I don't know, say banana. Are the penguins going to be the minions, or are the toads going to be the minions, or are they even going to have anything that's like a minion? Are they going to have an equivalent? Yeah. What if the rabbits show up? That's the thing, right? You know, do Ubisoft get in here? Uh, I do feel like a Mario plus rabbits movie would be quite good, given the cutscenes in that game and, like, the way yeah. that the new game is shaping up. You I could w- have a pretty funny comedy movie with the rabbits, I think. I want to know what other kingdoms uh, Bowser's going to stomp on. Yeah. Like, we've got the we've got the icy penguin one like because we i think we've seen those kind of penguin characters in mario games before like in ice worlds they're like lying on their oh yeah they're, and... they're like, it's like it's the mario 64 penguins it is yeah yeah, they, yeah they've reappeared a few times yeah totally so like what other we see a bunch of coopers and stuff uh coopers. hanging out waiting it is a darth vader moment isn't it as he kind of walks through the ranks you know oh like, yeah there's yeah. uh there's a bit of star wars in there which is fun the second um, that magic cooper's like speaking were you just like 
this is weird <laughs> uh-huh yeah no that was the first I, I i do appreciate that they didn't have a main character talk first it kind of like almost yeah kind of like gets you into it's a it nice warm-up to bowser yeah. bowser was very good yeah and then yeah mario gets spit out of the pipe and uh-huh. you're like lands on a very fleshy mushroom and then very fleshy uh, mushroom. yeah and then follows toad off to the mushroom kingdom so yeah i mean i'm sure we'll see more trailers and there'll be a big hype marketing cycle behind this whole thing um i probably should watch those sonic movies if i'm honest i we probably should do that yeah are they on netflix now on the scene UK? i don't know they're probably somewhere yeah maybe we'll i don't know we'll do that and maybe talk about it on a show at some point sure. but um yeah uh I don't this know. This might be Bally Jr.'s first film. Yeah, oh, please. Me and Caroline, so like, we could try and find, like, a bit. So they do, like, baby showings. Yeah, films yeah, yeah, yeah. Where everyone. I, I, it must just be a racket. In oh, there, yeah. But, yeah. It's just. They must have to have subtitles on the screen or something, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, that's probably what they have to do. But, like, I would happily go to a baby showing with him. Yeah. I, either that or I ask Caroline very nicely to look after him for a couple hours. I'm just going to go by myself. Yeah. <laughs> As you, this grown adult, go watch this animated Mario movie. Yeah. I, I will yeah. 100% do that. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, unless Bally Jr. wants to come. Yeah, no, you should you should make that his first movie. That'll uh, first good movie. indoctrination, I think. Very, yeah. very good. He's um, probably gonna be way too young. Okay, we should also say, um I believe the American trailer had like it was coming out in April and then the UK had like no mention whatsoever. So yep. as things stand, I think films normally come out two, three weeks after in the yeah, UK. Is sometimes that right? they come out earlier. It's just a weird thing. I'm not sure how it works. Yeah. But, yeah. So April twenty twenty three, I think Bally Junior will be like <laughs> 11 months old so yeah maybe. it's also way sooner than i thought i thought it was going to be end of next year so yeah i don't know it's just kind of come around quickly without We're me gonna get april's the mario movie and may is breath of the wild 2 oh shit or tears of the kingdom tears of the kingdom uh looking forward to that um great. not not kingdom of tears no not as you said many times, said kingdom of tears. times. <laughs> i'd written it down as kingdom of tears that's yeah. why i kept saying the same yeah. wrong thing but yeah awesome um cool well i think that's going to do us that's going to wrap us up for the show uh thanks everybody for listening and sticking with us um and uh yeah we have uh, some things to plug and talk about before we get out of here so let's chat about patreon.com slash this nintendo live where you can go and support us if you so wish to do so and you can get some bonus episodes and fun stuff bally um who are we going to thank for our patreon today I'd like to give a shout out to our $10 tier patrons. They are Zach S, Atari Alex, Thomas, Matthew, Albert, and Wicked Gamer UK Allen. Thank you all for your $10 tier support, but thank you to all of our patrons. Um, it's hugely appreciated the support you give the show absolutely um so yeah head on to patreon.com slash this nintendo life and you can support us if you want to if you have the means to um we'll really appreciate that stuff um so yeah you can go ahead and get bonus shows and other things you can also follow us on social media twitter.com is a website um that we continue to use uh and it has things like me on there at lord nbz you can follow and i will tweet and that is the thing bally where can they find you i'm on twitter at ballyman 91 that's b-a-double-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 um i tweeted a video of me absolutely shredding the dead cells final boss it was very satisfying yeah if you want to see bally's successful run of doing that it was uh it was quite satisfying to watch oh, that for sure um you can also find the podcast on twitter at tnl podcast which has links to our youtube channel our discord um as well as updates on the show and what's happening and what's going on so follow that if you want to know uh everything in the tnl universe uh you can also obviously find us in various places we're on spotify we're on stitcher uh you can find us on any podcasting app if you just search for this nintendo life you can subscribe to us and 
that means that the show comes into your feed every couple of weeks and you don't have to worry about going to find it it's just very nice and convenient as i said we have a discord a community where people are chatting uh, you can go there uh, you can also head over to our youtube channel if you prefer to have stuff on in a tab in the background uh, like i often do when i'm playing overwatch i have like a podcast tabbed out in my other browser on my second monitor um, if that's your preferred method then you feel free to go there and uh, listen to your convenience um and yeah you can also review us if you go over to uh, spotify you can give us a rating a star rating there so it'd be highly appreciated if you use that even if you don't head on over listen to a couple of minutes and then it will allow you to give a rating to the show which helps more people find it and uh, kind of grows uh, our listener base which is really nice and that would be very very cool if you're able to do that um i think that is pretty much it uh i am uh, i'm in a holding pattern here bally as uh waiting for the video games i'm working on to come out but also mm-hmm. october's a busy month for nintendo we've yeah. got mario plus rabbits and bayonetta 3 coming at the end so um yeah looking forward to those i don't think they'll be out by the time we have next episode it might be just on the edge but um, well, i think rabbits is the 20th yeah actually rabbits so, yeah. probably have got a good weekend in with rabbits we'll be next into time. rabbits and yeah. then yeah bayonetta 3 i think it's 28 29 yes so. yeah so we yeah, can i'll see how much i enjoy bayonetta 2 don't yeah. want to even if i have a decent time with it i maybe won't want to jump straight into three but yeah. we'll, if i love it might have to do so yeah i will definitely be talking about three so looking forward to that um hopefully that game is is as good as it's looking what's um nintendo's big november game it's pokemon pokemon, pokemon of the thing so yeah we're december looking, uh, i don't think they have anything in december, december um which unless they just suddenly drop that metroid prime remake that everyone seems to think is still oh, happening this camp? year Maybe. uh advanced wars who the fuck knows yeah still kind of hovering in limbo but um yeah still lots to look forward to for the rest of the year and uh yeah getting into almost game of the year season now so uh i, I want to kind of mop up some stuff that i've missed stuff like neon white and um some other games that are kind of floating around the ether that a lot of people have been hot on that i would love to mm. check out before mm-hmm. end of the year but we'll see if if time permits if that is possible um but yeah i think that is going to do us thanks everybody so much for listening we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with another podcast episode to talk about more nintendo video game things until then thanks so much for listening bye bye interludes used on today's show were clock tower from dead cells copyright motion twin 2018 and escape academy from escape academy copyright coin crew games 2022